0: All right, we're live.
1: Welcome back to Talk With ARMY. I'm your co-host, Delilah.
0: And I'm your co-host, Daisy.
1: And we are here doing part two of our Indigo album review because we just talked too much and had to split it up.
0: Yeah, I I don't even know what to say at this point. We just talked way too much and we completely underestimated how long that this is actually gonna take. And mind you, we're barely halfway through the album. So I'm hoping that this doesn't take too long. Cause you know, it's been a long day. Delilah's had a long day at work. Me, I've been at the salon all day trying to get my hair braided. We're both tired. So let's pray that we finish this before midnight. That's all I'm saying. But
1: I gotta wake up at six tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But also, speaking of hair, Daisy's hair does look nice. Totally worth it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, I'll probably post the selfie later on our podcast. But um my hair is, well, it's black in the front, and then in the back it's, like, this minty blue color. Um, Almost kind of like a little peekaboo thing going on, which is, like, the concept. Because I remember when I came back from the salon, and then my dad uh, saw me, um, and then he was like, oh, you know, I'm surprised you didn't do any color. And I'm like, oh, actually, it's in the back. So I was like, oh, <laughs> my concept worked perfectly. It did exactly what I wanted it to do.
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll try and... Not. Tr- we'll try to even be a little bit more concise um, than we thought we were last time, I guess. Because um, I don't want to say, I yeah, I don't want to say. Oh, we're gonna be concise because we said that to ourselves last time, um, <laughs> and happened. So let's just jump into it. We finished off uh the last episode with the song forgetful featuring Mm -hmm. folk singer kim saul and now we are on to lonely
0: oh no we're not because that's um track seven i believe because which one did i
1: skip Mm, um
0: We need to do Closer and Change Part 2 first.
1: Oh, my gosh. How did I skip two whole songs? Sorry, it's
0: because we're using Dual Set Bangtan and because uh, Closer and Change are pretty much entirely in English. obviously, there's no translations for that. that.
1: Okay, that's true. So, in Dual Set Bangtan, um, it goes right to Lonely Next because that's the next Korean translation. But on the track list, it is Closer. That comes after forgetful. So, apologies for the mishap. And I swear I have also been listening to the album, so I should know. But order it by now, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it's fine. We will just chalk it up to the fact that it is late at night. Let's not let's not rile up any Namjoon solo stands before we get a hashtag Delilah is over party on Twitter soon. <laughs> but yeah let's just get straight into it though yeah um yeah so with closer um closer uh was a song that was featuring um paul blanco and mahalia and this was also a track that was originally produced by hun i think um and then they had ended up giving this track to june and then, um, along with this track, was um, some vocals I believe from Mahalia. And if you don't know who Mahalia is, she is a uh, singer from uh, the UK. And her, I've actually listened to her music before. Her music is really, really nice. I highly recommend it. Um, there's a particular song that. What was the first song I ever heard from her? It was "Sober." I really like that song. It's super chill. If you're into like that type of like chill almost lo-fi-esque or slash r vibes like you definitely want to listen to someone like her and then paul blanco i haven't listened to his stuff yet but after i heard his voice i'm like damn i got it because like mm-hmm. he he sounds absolutely amazing like if you listen to the studio version it is just absolutely incredible um he's a korean artist as well he um, I think is probably within like the K hip hop RB scene. Um, I just know that he's not a K-pop idol, but his music, his musicality was just really good for this. Like I think that this was just like I'm pretty sure like this is probably one of the most talked about uh collabs mm-hmm. on the album, especially for like a particular um line of his verse that we'll probably talk about later that has inspired many edits on Twitter. But yeah, let's just dive into these lyrics. So the first lines, um, well actually first, let me get a premise. Uh, I, so the premise of this song, basically, it's about um, a strained relationship between a boy and a girl who want to get closer to each other, but just feel like they can't, like there's just so much distance between them. And so with that in mind, that is the context that we're gonna be using for these lyrics. So the first couple of lines say, um, and this is Namjoon's verse, Um, actually, no, it starts off with Mahalia singing the hook. And she says, I get a feeling sometimes that I can't get close enough to you. I feel it most in the nighttime, even though that's when I'm closest to you. If I could be under your skin closer than we've ever been, we'd be closer than we've ever been. And I think, oh, there's just about that. Like, I just really like the way that it is worded. It's almost like it's so poetic. I just love it.
1: First of all, there's also just something in the delivery, the melody of the chorus that it's so good. Um, And I really like that BDS seem to kind of like explore these types of relationships a lot in songs. It's always less about a relationship that's just like ended, but it's a relationship that has figuratively ended but not but like they're still together but might as well not be um and just the last line if i could be under your skin closer than we've ever been we'd be closer than we've ever been like there's this emphasis on that closer than we've ever been i think it's just like the simplicity of it that makes it so wow
0: yeah that's i think that's it just like the whole simplicity of it that makes it all the more impactful kind of like um i don't remember who said this um but um it was on this one uh youtube video that i saw Of these uh, Koreans I think like Korean fans or maybe even people who are new to BTS they were just talking about spring day and they were talking about like the first lines of spring day which were well I guess in the music video it was Namjoon's lines but then you know in the live performances it's Hobi's lines but that part where they say I miss you just by saying that makes me miss you even more and it's like the simplicity of that just makes it so powerful and so like for this whole if I could be under your skin closer than we've ever been, we'd be closer than we've ever been. And so like the fact that like, just like that they're going to such unrealistic, um, like they have such an unrealistic expectation of like, oh, you know, if only I could just do that, like to physically be under your skin. And like, that's still closer than we've ever been, but that's only physically. And that's still even more than what their relationship already was. And I think that that's just like, a really poetic way to put it and like i really like what you said about how it feels like bts are really good at just encapsulating the emotions of a relationship that hasn't actually ended but might as well have ended because they've done things like this before for example in songs like dead leaves or in songs like um house of cards in, not even Oh, yeah, House of Cards as well. Um, Also, um, even things like uh, Love is Not Over and pretty much the entire Love Yourself album trilogy, like they were in their bag with that. Um, They are really good at just encapsulating those emotions. And it's just so incredibly poetic the way that they always tackle this thing so expertly each and every time. It almost makes me wonder who's actually hurt them.
1: Who has hurt? Nam June, like especially when we get into the next song like i it's just if there's something just so personable uh about it that you can tell that this is from a personal experience and i think that uh it it was also a really nice choice i think to have this song be in all English because June has said that like different languages have different textures and Mm -hmm. that sometimes just the way certain melodies flow, like it just, every language has like different emphasis on like syllables and just the way that a song sounds in different languages can create just a different feeling around it. And so it's purposeful that the next two songs are going to be in English. Like that is a very conscious choice. And I just really like the, I don't know, just something about the way Mahalia just says the chorus. It's just about the way she says, um, If I could be under your skin it's just uh it's it has a really nice texture to it and it's probably um my favorite chorus well that was my second favorite chorus on this album probably
0: yeah there's just something about almost like that it's like very wistful the way that she sings it um Especially because, like, the way that she sings, it actually changes um, as the song progresses. The first time she ever sings this chorus, it's actually in an incredibly high key. And then when she sings the chorus next, it's actually dialed down a few keys. So it's actually sung in a lower note. Um, And it's almost, like, as if, like, as the song progresses, she suddenly, like... It's almost as if she's, like, losing hope of this relationship. Just keep on, like, for this relationship to even continue, like... Um, and I just really like the little nuances and not even just like the lyrics, but the way that she's just saying it, it's almost like, uh, wishful thinking desperation, just like if I could be under your skin, like, it's like, this is literally the only way that I could feel a possible connection to you right now. Um, because the fact that like, you know, there are definitely people who could relate to this, who may like physically live in the same space as somebody, uh, who they love, and somehow like they feel the distance, regardless of how close they are physically. And I think that. Go ahead.
1: And I was actually, you know, sorry to interrupt so early, but it's interesting how the song, the narrative of the song begins with, you know, they want to be closer than we've ever been, and they wish that they could just simply be closer. But by the, the end of the song, we have this narrative end where Namjoon doesn't want to be closer anymore. By the end of the song, he says, okay, you know, if this is where we're at, then let's just stay where we are. You stay over there now, stay over here. He is no longer interested in closing that distance anymore by the end of the song.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit later because I have a lot of thoughts about that. But let's get into Namjoon's verse here. So he says, um, I feel it most in the nighttime, me never on your timeline. See you always in the limelight. Keep me rolling in the deep. Uh, no tease, no joke. I do mean it. Don't cease, baby. Don't while you float in. Want to lock you up in my sight, but you'll run away like fish. So he's here, you know, just on his phone and you know he's realizing that like he just feels like like he never crosses the mind of the person that he loves so i don't know if the timeline it could be a literal thing but i feel like it could also be a metaphorical thing because when you think about like a timeline on social media a timeline is pretty much just like an uh what's the word i'm looking for an amalgamation Of all of the accounts that you follow, the type of topics you enjoy, and just like the overall things that you like. It's an algorithm. So the fact that he never pops up on that person's timeline means that they're not actually like he feels like he's like pretty much worthless to them. Like that he basically means nothing to them. And that even when they're close together, he feels like he just gets no attention from that person. They don't care about him. And that, you know, that really just accentuates uh, that distance even more.
1: Right. And, you know, followed by the next part, so you always in the limelight. So, and this could also be a literal and figurative limelight. It could be a literal limelight as in this person is someone that is on the stage and that they do have this focus on them. From Other people and so they are getting attention from other people that uh, Namjoon wishes he was getting um, and, Or like not that he was she was getting that attention but wishes that They cared about the his attention more than the attention. They're getting from others um, and then it could also be a figurative limelight in the fact that he just holds this person to such a high regard despite the way that he's being treated in the relationship.
0: Oh yes, and another way I felt like I interpreted this line in like a more metaphorical sense is if like maybe when he says that this person is always in the limelight, it could potentially mean that they're like basically very self-centered and narcissistic and they only care about themselves, so they're always in the spotlight and they're always making it about themselves. And that's why he's rolling in the deep because he's below them. So he feels like while they're putting themselves up on this pedestal and the whole world revolves around them, Namjoon is basically left alone at the bottom and, you know, nobody cares about him.
1: It's really interesting um, how the rolling in the deep phrase, uh, I feel like, you know, connects to the like fish metaphor. Um, and Mm. there's a lot of, so he has, like, the rolling in the deep, and then he has the why you floating, so why are you floating, uh, which can be, you know, maybe by, like, the way they're floating, it's in a sense that they're kind of, I don't know if apathetic is the right word, but maybe just careless, because you think of something that's floating. It's kind of just there going with the flow. It's not really caring about what's happening around them. Um and then that contrasts with, you know, when he gets close to them, then they run away like a fish. And fish, I don't you can't catch a fish. Like, I mean, you can catch a fish. There are people that are highly skilled at doing that, but if you try to, like, just put your hands in a river and catch a fish, you will not be able to do that. Those suckers are fast. Um, and so I think it's very interesting to contrast how when they kind of appear to be floating, but at the same time, they move so quickly, uh, like, away from him.
0: Oh, and I just had another thought about this whole fish metaphor thing. Like I just had like a galaxy brain moment just now. but so you know you're talking about how that rolling in the deep thing can be connected to like the whole fish metaphor and while you were talking about like floating as in maybe like almost like care- careless or apathetic it could also be like floating as in like in the literal sense of like floating on top of the water right so there on the surface oh, yeah. floating mm-hmm. he's in the depths of the ocean yes. so they're on two completely different levels or You know, you could take this another way when he says want to lock you up in my sight, but you run away like fish. If we were to, you know, maybe assume that, you know, his partner was like the quote unquote fish and he was just like regular Namjoon, he was a human, you know, trying to catch a fish with your bare hands. And, you know, like you were saying, fish move away so easily. Like, that's difficult for just a regular person to do. And, you know, Namjoon isn't like a fish. He's not the same as them. So a fish swimming away in water being difficult for a human to catch. Like, that's Namjoon literally out of his element. Like, he can't adapt to that. Right. So no matter how much he tries to catch them, he will never be as fast. He will never be in the same, like... The same world as them, and so he just feels out of depth, Mm -hmm. out of his element. Like it just doesn't work, no matter what he does.
1: Yes, I I love that interpretation. It makes a lot of sense, and yeah, I agree. It definitely it fits with the whole. You know, the rolling in the deep part is off. It's obviously a reference to Adele's "Rolling in the Deep," and if you know the lyrics to "Rolling in the Deep" by Adele the rolling in the deep in that song refers to her tears mm. um and so the relationship is just you know causing so much distress that she's basically rolling in a sea of her own tears basically um and, and when you keep in mind that you know nam june is the Basically the songs kind of like reference the same type of relationship basically And so it makes a lot of sense to have that song reference And to just keep like this theme of water with the rolling in the deep And then the floating wow So they're up top and he's down below And I think the with that concept It also makes sense to like ask Why are you floating? Like why do you get to be up there? And why do you get to leave me behind while I'm down here? Like, the audacity, you know?
0: Right. And then I feel like that Adele, um, you know, that Adele callback is even more solidified because if you actually watch uh, Namjoon talk with Yungi in his Shu-Chi-Ta episode, um... Namjoon actually does talk about how when he was thinking about the the name for his album, he actually thought a lot about Adele's albums and the way that she names them, you know, based off of her age when she wrote those albums. And so, you know, it makes perfect sense to me that, you know, this is also another element of what Adele does that he has used to be influenced by in his work um and so it just kind of makes it all the more meaningful because you know he really wanted this to be an archive of his 20s and so he's kind of like taking cues from Adele with the way that she kind of uh what's the word I guess documents like each chapter of her life based off of how old she was and what she was doing and I think that that's really really cool yeah um
1: and so with that we get to the chorus again uh, no, not the chorus again. We get to the pre-chorus. Um, and in the pre-chorus, I really like the lyrics of this pre-chorus. Uh, June says, I keep you right next to me, only just in my dream, I see you in red, blue, green. Don't wake me up from sleep. I think I'm losing my grip. Everything off the beam. Why you showed up in my life like this so sudden? Oh, God, no. And this reference to... um being only to see them in his dreams in red blue green is really interesting because that could mean a lot of different things so like red blue green um in case people don't know that's how color in tv works um so like basically everything on a tv screen is created using red blue and green um and so that's how images are made And I see you in red, blue, green, I feel like that, it could reference two things in my mind. It could mean that, or maybe a few things, but like, I'm thinking two or three things. The first thing is that um, he sees them so vividly in his dreams compared to when they are in real life. Or what I think is another interesting take is that he feels like he sees them more on a screen. He sees them more maybe on his Instagram feed than he sees them, you know, in person. Or maybe um, if we go back to maybe the limelight, um, if we were to take figure t- the limelight line literally, um, maybe he sees them, you know, on a broadcast more often than he sees them in person.
0: Yes, exactly. I think that it's a really, uh, clever way to put it. The way he says, I see you in red, blue, and green. And this is exactly what we were talking about when we say that, like, English just provides a different type of feel, a different type of tone to the song. Um, and I really like the line, I see you in red, blue, and green. Um, and, you know, you can see how desperate he is to hold on to that vivid image of the person where he's saying, don't wake me up from sleep, because if you wake him up from sleep, then he loses the dream. And like the dream is the only time where he feels the closest to that person, which is really, really sad once you think about it, because it shows that like the only time he ever feels close to his partner is in a dream. And in that dream, it's not even the partner themselves. It's just an idealistic version of what he'd like that person to be, but there are not that person in real life
1: yeah exactly it, it's it's a really great line and then once again it's a pretty simple line uh but i i still really like it i, I think it's clever um and then the rest of the pre course is pretty self-explanatory i'm losing my grip everything off the beam referring to a balancing beam Um, And then why showed up in my life like this? So sudden. Oh, God, no. Yeah, you know, love can be great. Um, And then when that love starts to end, you kind of wish, you know, maybe it would have been better if you just never met that person in the first place. Right.
0: Like you can tell that this person has completely changed the trajectory of his life. But now that he realizes that they're growing further and further apart, he just ever he just regrets ever meeting them in the first place, and it just feels miserable the fact that he loves this person, but this person clearly doesn't reciprocate those feelings, and he's you know he's just there feeling stuck and alone, and there's nothing he can do about it um, because you know, what happens has happened. And so now he has to deal with the fact that he's in a relationship with somebody who doesn't even want him anymore.
1: Exactly. And then with that, we just get to the chorus again. Um, But this time the chorus is kind of um, a mixture between Mahalia and Paul Blanco's voice. Um, So like the, it becomes a little bit less, I don't know if lighter is the right word, um, but yeah, they're, they're just kind of just um, a difference in delivery of the chorus uh, this time around. And then we get into Paul Blanco's verse.
0: Yes, Paul Blanco's verse. First of all, oh my God, this is like the replay value on his verse is absolutely insane, bro. This, like, his verse in general had me addicted, and that's why Closer is now one of my top three in terms of like my favorite tracks on Indigo. But yeah, starting with his verse, he says, Come holler at a youngin' from the block, baby. Say, time don't wait for nobody. Oh, I bet you thought, baby, but time gonna stop when you and I make our lips lock, baby trust me and once again you made me mispri- misplaced my pride baby and then he says promise myself never again but you got me doing the same thing all over again and then this part this is the part that everybody and their mother is editing on twitter because this part bangs um but he's like i make her body go diddy bop and if you hear the actual thing if you haven't listened to it first of all what are you doing second of all if you hear the actual thing you will understand why everybody makes an edit of this but he says, "I want to show you how it gets down, baby girl. Come on." So he's continuing basically off of this, and he of off of like Namjoon's verse, and he's basically saying that, like, he wants to you know show this person you know how much he loves them. He's basically saying like, oh, you know, you th- like you know we're in the situation, but. And, and I I thought that maybe that I've like given up on this relationship, but because I love you too much, I'm basically making myself stay in this. And he's saying, like, if you let me, I will show you how much this relationship means to me. But mm-hmm. then it all depends on that person reciprocating those feelings. But, you know, as we get to the end of the song, we realize that that just ends up not being the case.
1: Yes. Paul Blanco's verse is basically the last, you know cry for attention, basically. It is like, this is the last plea that I can possibly make before, you know, I believe that this is just not salvageable. And we know it's not salvageable because right after Paul Blanco's verse, we get a little interlude with a basically voicemail recording message. Um, The whole, just leave your message after the beep type of basic voicemail um, voicemail, uh, recording. That's what I was thinking of. Um, so the person is not even answering his calls at this point. And so we get that, and it is what connects us to the rest of the song where in the bridge, Paul Blanco is singing, If love ain't for us, I don't need your touch. Um, And then, so like the whole ret. So from this point on, the bridge and outro is just saying, "Yeah, we we everything that we just said earlier in the song." Um, they they've given up on that because clearly this person just does not care.
0: Yeah, and you can clearly see that. Like, it's just I just love the way that his verse is even like structured. The fact that, like you said, it was this desperate last cry for this person to just get up and notice them. And then you get the voicemail showing that this person clearly isn't interested. His call isn't being reciprocated. And so then you finally just come to terms with the fact that, you know what, maybe this relationship isn't going to work. And so that's how you know he ends up saying, um, I believe the whole thing was if love came for us, I will be satisfied with this. I don't need your touch as long as it's your love. So basically he's gone and accepted the fact that this person does not want them. And he's like, Okay, well, if this is how it is, then this is just how it is.
1: Exactly. And then um June's outro where he just says, If this is all we can do. Yeah, just looking at you, there's going to be no take two. So there's going to be no, we'll try again, or I'm going to give a second chance. He's saying no to that. Just stay stay where you are. If this is all we can do, just looking at you, there's going to be no take two. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. Just stay where you are. And it's just, it's just great how the, the song is titled Closer and it's about wanting to close the distance between him and this person. And narratively, at the end of the song, uh, we are accepting the distance and if anything, are now the ones that are wishing that the distance stays.
0: Yes, that's something that I really like about this song, the fact that it's called Closer, but as the song progresses narratively, they just get further and further apart from each other Yes, until they're just like, you know what, we? I accept this distance between us and this is just how our relationship is going to be. And, you know, just the fact that, like he says, just stay where you are. Like it's not even like in a way that is like rude or full of hate and anger. It's like you can clearly see that this is like a a mindset that he's in where he's just come to terms that he accepts the fact. But that doesn't change the fact that he still loves that person. But he just understands that maybe their relationship wasn't meant to be. And there are relationships like that where you might love that person, but sometimes just because you love somebody that doesn't necessarily mean that a relationship will work. I mean, there's chemistry that you can have between somebody, but sometimes that chemistry, once you put it into a relationship context, it just doesn't work. I mean, I've had relationships like that. I'm sure other people listening to this have had relationships like that. So you may understand where he's coming from or even relate to the lyrics yourself. But I mean, this is just coming from that mindset where it's like, I have to move on.
1: Yeah, and with the I have to move on is where I feel like, I feel like Closer was, like, kind of the, um kind of like the bargaining depression stage of, like, the stages of grief, (laughs) and then when we get to change part two, Change Part 2 is like the anger acceptance stages of grief. Um, because Change Part 2 is absolutely just... It makes sense that Closer and Change Part 2 are where they are in the track list because they are clearly related to each other. Change Part 2 is the aftermath of Closer.
0: Yeah, also just the fact that Change Part 2... Is all about, you know, things changing and people changing. And even just sonically, this, like, the sound of the song itself, like, could not be any more different than the first five tracks. So not only is it just a change, as in a continuation from, like, you know, uh, a dying relationship and how you've changed from that, but just the song itself is a change from what we've been hearing so far. Because, you know, the first three tracks with Yun, still life and all day you know that was very hip-hop centered and then you had something like forgetful which was more of a folk pop song and then you had closer which was uh, more r&b-esque and then you have change which is just so incredibly experimental and just very very uh i believe the word i'm looking for is raw and um if you guys don't know change is um a song that namjoon collaborated with I believe the way you pronounce his name is uh, Aeon. Is that how you pronounce it?
1: I think so, but sometimes I forget. And so I just refer to him as his real name (laughs) because sometimes it's easier. (laughs) Um, What is his real name? uh, Yang Hyun.
0: Okay. Well, if you guys don't know who he is, he actually collaborated with Namjoon um, on a song uh, a couple years back. Um, The song was called Don't it's um, great it's oh amazing. no it's and
1: he and he also did bad bye from mono
0: yes yes he also did bad bye from mono that's very true so they've collaborated twice before um so if you guys haven't heard don't or you haven't heard bad bye highly recommend it because mm-hmm. bad bye i was Ooh. very it was equally as experimental as change part two i feel like they're both siblings mm-hmm.
1: i feel like once you know that he produced Bad Bye." then it's like, it oh, so that sense. makes, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Honestly, the production on this, like, I, my mouth was a agape. Like, there was a certain point in the song, and I think we all know what point of the song is, that I, like gasped and i i was texting daisy my live reaction i was like oh my god are you kidding me i might even have it um in my twitter thread when i was doing a live review of like the timestamp where i was like i cannot believe what my ears just heard it 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 was so good <laughs>
0: Yeah, and even on, you know, ARMY Twitter, um, there was somebody uh, who had said, if you had grabbed, like, it was like, I don't know, like a hundred armies or something, and, you know, made them listen to Change Part 2, like, none of us would have ever guessed what it could have possibly sounded like. And then he actually um saw that tweet, and he quote tweeted it, and he was talking about how happy he was that people seemed to really like it, and that it was, like, unpredictable. And I think that, honestly, like, this song it's just great but you know like like back to the song um like i was saying about what it was about before it's about how things change and just everything changes um he'll repeat that phrase a lot during the song kind of reminiscent of everything goes but in a different sort of way because you know everything goes is about um you know the inevitability of um you know, things coming to an end and, you know, turning into something else. Um, mm-hmm. almost like the way that seasons change in that kind of sort of sense. Um, but here he's talking about how just everything changes and that nothing ever stays mm-hmm. the same. And when he was talking about this song during his, uh, um, Indigo album kind of like documentary thing on Bangtan TV, he was talking about how, um, you know, sometimes a lot of people tend to like things that stay the same. And especially in the case of BTS, I feel like that rings true so much because, you know, when BTS, um, you know, when you think about BTS, like you can never really pin down the type of music artist they are because they explore so many different genres. They do so many different styles that to just call them one thing or another doesn't make sense. Ever since their debut, they've kind of just always been changing and you know there's a lot of people who are afraid of change and so you'll get a bunch of people who when confronted with the fact that bts is changing yet again they're not comfortable with it and so they leave and so you have a bunch of people who are like oh you know i used to be a fan of bts but then their music went downhill after xyz era and then just a bunch of other stories like that right where they're just not comfortable with the fact that people change and there are other interpretations of The song that you can have as you know we get into the lyrics um but like that's just one of the ways in which he was talking about change
1: something that i find interesting um because i think later in the song you know he does make you know these references to how you know the old bts isn't there anymore right but Mm. you know when in his chorus i was talking about you know things change people change everything change his tone of voice comes off kind of like apathetic maybe i don't want to say like pessimistic like it's almost it's almost um it's just like you know when like something bad happens to you and you just feel so bitter about it you you kind of just laugh at that point where it's like of course this happened um And so, considering the context of this connecting to closer, it's almost like him saying, oh, yeah, you know, like, people change, but almost in a mocking kind of way. Like, where, you know, yeah, they say that, but it was still, like, just unexpected, and so he feels stupid for kind of not expecting that, when it's just such a common thing people say.
0: Yeah, definitely, 100%. So... Um, going into this song, uh, it starts off with Namjoon. Oh, and by the way, this is, um, so far the first, uh, song where it's just him on the track. There's no that featuring artists or anything. Um, and this is one of two of the only tracks on this album that do not have a collaboration on it with another uh, singing or rapping artist. So getting into the verse, he says, things change, people change, everything change. Uh, Things change, people change, everything change. Love change, friends change, everyone change. It is no strange. That's the world shape. So he's basically saying a lot of these things very matter-of-factly, where he's basically like, things change all the time. This is not an odd phenomenon, it's not a new concept, this is just how the world works. And he is 100% correct. If you look at the world now and look at the world, what it was 100 years ago, 50 years ago, even last year, You know, there will always be differences that you may not notice at the time, but then once you look back in retrospect, you realize just how different the landscape of the world was back then. And again, this is not a new concept. So many things change in the world, some of which we don't even realize until we look back and, you know, think about all the different things that we used to do, all the different people that we used to be back in those times.
1: Yeah, I think that's maybe why I kind of got a vibe of this chorus being kind of, like, bitter. Like, because it's matter, because he's stating it kind of a matter of the fact. And it's true. You know, things change, people change. Like, we know that. But, you know, once you take time to really reflect on that and think back to what has changed... You 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 could feel upset about that, um, even though uh, it's a normal part of life.
0: Yeah, and I think where you're getting that sort of like uh, bitterness is when you know we get onto the next uh, verses of the song, um, where it starts sounding like that. It's like almost this very sinister vibe to it, um, especially towards the very end of the song. So you know, in the villain era you said what
1: his villain era
0: (laughs) (laughs) no like this is for real june's like joker era like he was messed up by this person and he just he became like a villain from this honestly like this was his like prince zuko era right here um (laughs) but going on to his verse he says can't believe i loved you once fool me once then fool me twice shame on you yes shame on me I think I lost my sanity. Chemistry we had for sure. Gradually we wanted more. They say you can't fix someone. Seems you got one fit you right. So he's basically talking about, and if we were to put this in the context of the previous song, Closer, Um, he's talking about this person who he is now parted with, and he kind of feels, um, you know, almost this uh level of, I would say borderline resentment kind of like the way that it was for a yeah. song like Outro Tear where it's like I've been mm-hmm. completely destroyed by this relationship and now there's just nothing left and I just want like all of my feelings to go up in ashes right now.
1: Mhm. And then also when you think about, you know, the context of Outro Tear um and what the song was written about you know, it can have like this sense of bitterness of like, what do you mean? We thought about giving up. Like, how could you even think of, think that kind of um, attitude? Like, after everything we've been through, you wanna you wanna stop? Um, uh, and f- and if people, you know, maybe you don't know, uh, the lyrics of "Outro Tear are about the members of BTS and about how a a, a while back, um, because of the pressure BTS were under, they felt so much anxiety over their position on the world stage that they had discussions and considered disbanding. Thankfully, BTS decided to not do that and are still here today, but that is the context of, you know, outro tier and how the lyrics were written and there's some like uh resentment in uh the the way that that song is delivered and i kind of feel some of that uh in here as well and it's just interesting how you know there it's two different relationships and two different types of relationships but you can still feel that sense of betrayal
0: yeah i definitely agree although if you were to compare and contrast namjoon's verse on outro tier versus his verses here in change part two it's like day and night because if you've listened to outro tier before when namjoon starts off the whole song his verse is incredibly aggressive it's fast-paced It's, you know, just full of all this anger and hurt. And you can literally hear it in just the way that he speaks, even the lyrics that he uses. um, And like the way that he says things like, like forever, don't talk about forever. You know, I don't want to listen to all that. Like even when he says, I don't want to listen to that. Like he says it twice in that verse and it almost sounds like he's arguing with somebody.
1: Yeah, the emphasis is crazy. Like there is so much. It's interesting. There is so much passion and outro tear while in change part two he just sounds over everything and like that that's on purpose like he's exhausted from this relationship and he's done uh he he really just doesn't care
0: yeah if i was to make like uh A comparison imagery-wise in terms of how I visualize those two songs. Like if outro tier, like if his verse in outro tier was like this roaring flame, then this song to me, Change Part 2, it's almost like a candle that's flickering out but it hasn't completely gone out yet. It's just on the verge of going out but it's just Mm. not quite there yet but by the end of the song it almost feels like it's fully extinguished especially with the last line that he delivers in this song
1: yes um and so um and also i like what in this verse it also mentions what you were just talking about a few minutes ago the chemistry we had for sure gradually we wanted more um, they say you can't fix someone Seems you got one fit you right. You were saying just a few minutes ago how you can have chemistry with someone that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to have a healthy, stable relationship.
0: Right. Um, I think that definitely when it comes to chemistry, people think that if you have chemistry, it just means that a relationship would work. But again, putting people into relationship into a completely different context, sometimes you realize that the chemistry you had was because you had... A certain distance from that person. And by closing that distance, you are then changing the chemistry and the nature of that relationship. And then suddenly it doesn't work anymore. And I have experienced something exactly like that. So I know that this is true. And so that's why for me that's how he like he's just really like captured that feeling so well um and you know he's saying you know you can't fix somebody like regardless of you know how well you mesh with somebody together you know especially when you're coming into a relationship both of you are coming in with your own faults your own mistakes and so you know you can't possibly fix everything about somebody else. And humans aren't necessarily meant to be fixed either. We're all imperfect. There's no way to completely fix that. And so when you get into a relationship and you know you come in with that mindset of needing to fix somebody it's just not possible, especially because, you know, some people have all sorts of traumas that go way further than you can understand. And, you know, your capabilities of fixing them is just far above your skill level. And so that's why, you know, some relationships, they just die out, they don't work. And maybe you might have the chemistry with that person being a friend, or something like that but then you know going deeper and deeper into that relationship might result in you going further and further apart
1: exactly um and then with that we get into the pre-chorus and this was a spicy pre-chorus uh june says f my interviews in years ago i'm whole different not that anymore f that wiki F all those infos. What a stranger. I don't know this fool. And wow. Because, you know, Armies have been saying before plenty of times that, like, people need to stop bringing up, you know, any interviews from, like, 2013, 2014. When there's interviews even from, like, 2018, 2019 that clearly contrast, you know, his previous thoughts. Um... And he is recognizing uh, that in this pre course how people just have this false idea of who he is based on a younger, incomplete version of himself.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Depending on who comes into your life and when they come into it, and also when they leave your life, there are a bunch of people who you may know, but like they all, depending on when they left your life, will have completely different impressions of who you are as a person, um, depending on how long they've stayed in for your life, how long they've known you for, how deep your relationship is, and the like. So, you know, there are people who will, you know, maybe take away something from who Namjoon is, but then, you know, hold on to that idea of him from all those years ago without realizing how much he's changed now, and that's honestly a topic in itself. The way that, you know, a lot of people, especially K-pop fans, will try and use, you know, some of the things that Nam has said like very far back in the past that were ignorant, yes, you know, you know, there are things that he's done that were just genuine mistakes um that were either done out of ignorance or that kind of thing. And he has, you know, offended some people in the past and we can all acknowledge that. But then why does no one want to acknowledge the growth that he's done since then? The fact that he acknowledges that he has hurt people in the past and he's been working to undo all of his problematic mindsets. And he's learning to change and also educating other people so they can change as well. And yet, somehow, none of that growth is ever taken into account, and people just treat him as if he's no different from, you know, the person that he was seven, eight, nine years ago.
1: Yes, exactly. And it's also really interesting that, you know, when people bring up, you know, all of these old things about him, um, it's just really weird that other people are never held to like the same standard um it's Mm. always just keeping him like just stuck in like this version of himself that literally does not exist anymore like how jarring must it be like he says what a stranger i don't know this fool like this person that people are saying is him like, that might as well be a whole different person he doesn't even know. And it must be so mentally exhausting to, for that stranger shell of yourself to be the standard people hold you to.
0: Exactly. It must be so frustrating for him especially because... He's taken all these steps to do better and still people don't want to acknowledge that. And it just goes to show you that a lot of these people don't care about the growth that people do afterwards. They don't care about educating people. They don't care at the fact that, you know, they've become a better person. They just want somebody to be able to drag and cancel. And they also want them to stay ignorant and they want them to stay making mistakes. And that's why they will never, ever acknowledge his growth because they always want to feel like they're better than him it's almost like this kind of moral high ground where you'll hold him to an impossible standard but then when he actually takes steps to reach said standard you drag him back down simply because you want to feel like you you know better than him
1: Hmm. yes exactly and what is so interesting um about this song is The, uh, you know, we get to the chorus again, the things change, people change, everything change, um, everyone changes, no strange, that's the world shape. And then we get this just complete out of, not like out of nowhere, but unexpected just electronic breakdown that is, it's just almost like it is representing just how, His mind is maybe fracturing in a sense or just it represents like just going through change and just how wild and You know it could just lead you somewhere completely different like you feel like you're going Through like some kind of vortex almost and then it comes to this very abrupt but simultaneously very smooth stop and transition into um, the uh, similar to the previous instrumental.
0: Yeah, um, that's one thing I really love about this song, the way it, you know, takes the key word of change and then implements it not just within the lyrics but also within the instrumentals themselves so like you were saying about how like he was um in the verse about him talking about his interviews and all that kind of stuff and it was almost like this electronic kind of like breakdown thing almost like a uh, almost like glitching that's kind of what it sounded like to me Um, And then after that, then when it gets to the next course of things change, people change, everything change, then there's actually an instrumental switch up and suddenly we get this like very smooth, like jazzy-esque piano. Mm -hmm. um, And then all the EDM is just gone. It's just straight piano. And then, you know, that's another way that I find it so cool because as he was saying, everything changed, then the music also changed. So see how, like, he's doing such a good job of, you know, making the instrumentals of the song and the lyrics just match up with each other so well. I just really, really love that.
1: Yes, exactly. And I wish there was once, um, there was an article that, an army slash, I think they were, like, an army music journalist or something, they had, like, written, um, uh, like, a little, I don't know, I can't remember if it was just, like, the song review, but they had, like, written something really thought-provoking just about this album and about the song in particular, um, and about how it can just be almost terrifying to you know approach people that you haven't seen in years because what if they because the you that they know isn't the you that's present and so like how how do you go and you know meet with somebody knowing that they actually don't know who you are anymore and they have this completely different expectation of what you of what you like and just like who you are completely is different it's like do you even should you even like attempt to you know reconnect with people or try to reach out when you're they are essentially
0: meeting a ghost yeah that's a great way to put it like a ghost like just a just an apparition of your former self like yes that person was you but like that person is dead and gone like even there's even like a difference between you know yesterday is me today's me and then tomorrow's me um that i may not realize but there's always going to be subtle differences and so for somebody who has left your life ages ago and only has that impression of you from back then, will could not possibly expect you to be the exact same when they see you again. But, you know, for some people, they just love to hold people back and just treat them as if they're no different from the person that they were years and years ago. And so that's why this uh, whole verse that he did was just absolutely like, mind-blowing to me and you know just the way he says it like you know it's all yeah like you said like it's almost like he's tired of saying it like he's tired of having to repeat Mm -hmm. himself he's tired of having to explain this to people and you can just kind of hear it like in the way that he's just kind of done where it almost feels like this is just like the last time that we're ever going to hear him address it
1: yeah and once again what we said earlier kind of about you know Uh, closer being in English and like, and then this one also being in English. It's very purposeful. One, so it can connect to closer, but I feel like also, um, you know, this is not only, you know, a letter to this previous relationship, but he's saying this, you know, on a global stage from like a global standpoint of like whoever i was like that was not me and i'm saying this uh in english for a wide audience to get that through their head
0: yeah that's a great point that you bring of the fact that he is saying this in english so it's like you have no excuse not to understand this now Um, and I just think that that's just like, and that's the thing, he's never shied away from addressing his mistakes from the past. And so this is just like another way in which he's taking a step forward and being like, Hey, like all those, you know, all those things that I may have said, all of those mistakes I've made, they were me. But at this point, like it's simply just a stranger. He said, I don't know. I don't even know who this person is anymore. And that's how different they are. And yeah, um, you know, that's that first. And then after um, the next chorus, then it gets to the very last part of the song. And this part I feel is the most eerie because it still keeps the piano, but then the piano has just become something very uh, dis... What's the word I'm looking for? It's very disjointed, like very creepy. Like it's playing clashing notes. There's just like a lot of discord in like how it's being played. And, you know, this is as he's saying these lines here, which are, you got to admit it. Don't you get it still? Someday a great grief will, will, will come for you. And then you'll know it too. You can't love someone like I do. That's all I can say to you. And so he's pretty much like, whoever this is targeted towards, he is pretty much laying down like curses on them. Like, Imagine, like someday, a great grief will come for you. Like that is an incredibly powerful thing to say, and it's not mm-hmm. even like he's saying it as in like he ho- he's hoping it happens. It's very, again, matter of a matter of factly, he's saying like, oh, I wish it would happen. He's saying like, it will happen, it and will you will happen. understand how I feel when that day comes for you.
1: And then just also, it, there's just something so powerful. About when, you know, they, he says that at the end, you can't love someone like I do. That's all I can say to you. That is such a powerful, you know, takeaway from this relationship because he, because he is, you know, sometimes when people get hurt, they get cut. They tend to bleed on others, but I don't think that's what's going to happen with June here. He's not going to become, you know, bitter and close himself off. He's saying, I have all this love I'm capable of giving that you will never be capable of. And so, therefore, I, I, I'm, I've won in life because... What I'm capable of doing in a relationship, you will never be able to provide for. I can go on to my next relationship. I will go into a new relationship and I will find someone who makes me happy. And I know that I can love them. But you will never be able to love anybody.
0: And like Jesus Christ, like to be able to say something like that with such confidence and assurance, yet so like, gets so much apathy at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like he's not even, like, remotely concerned. Like, I just... It's honestly so crazy. And just the way that it ties into the former song Closer about how he's already accepted that, like, this is... Um, the best that the relationship is going to get. So it's just best to keep their distance. But he knows for a fact that if he finds someone else, he can give them more love than what he ever received in that previous relationship and knows that he's going to do it better than that person that he used to be in love with. And he's just saying, look, all I'm saying is that one day when you realize I'm not there, you'll realize that the love that I was giving you was the best that you will ever get from anybody else.
1: Exactly. It, it, it's honestly very haunting. Uh, just it's like. a power move. It, it, it is a power move. It, he, he's essentially like cursing this person. Um, <laughs> like, j- basically just like dooming them, um, for the future. And do you, do you know how bad like a relationship has to end where you just say that all this bad karma will get to you one day and I am just going to keep living my life, not even caring because it's what you deserve. Like, cause you know, sometimes, you know, a relationship, it cannot work out. And you know, there's that whole saying where I want you to eat, just not at my table. Mm. Um, or along the lines of that, like I, you know, I wish you to like be happy and succeed, but I'm not going, I just can't be the one to be there for you as you do it. Um, Like, I hope, I basically, I'm wishing you well, but I'm not going to be present for it. He is not wishing this person well at all. This isn't just a matter of, you know, we drifted apart and this is like some mutual agreement to end things well like maybe it is like a mutual agreement to end things but he's saying look you're garbage
0: (laughs) literally he's like you're garbage you will never find somebody who loves you like i do so you will just forever be miserable because you know that there will always be more love that you can get but you're not going to get it from me and like just this like like you said it's literally just like cursing somebody not even cursing somebody out like swearing at them this is just straight up cursing somebody as in like if this song were released in like the 1700s this man would be burnt at the stake
1: for the curses that he is
0: manifesting on this person i just like like i said it's just like it's just so haunting it's eerie and like when you hear it with the piano it just it makes sense
1: it does make sense and you can kind of like hear him just get more his voice get like kind of like more and more tired and like apathetic as like this goes on like you can hear him gradually be so over this and ready to move on.
0: Yes, and then when he gets the, that's all I can say to you, then like the music kind of just abruptly cuts, like there's no fade out or nothing. It just stops right there at the last syllable. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about how I kind of picture the song, I kind of like visualize it as like a candle that's like dying, but it's not completely out yet. It's still flickering slightly. But then once he says, that's all I can say to you, I feel like that's just like the moment that the candle goes out. Like, that's it. There's nothing left to say. And like this conversation is dead.
1: Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, and uh, I think with that, um, we can go to the next song, Lonely. And this is also the um, other only song uh, that does not have, uh, a feature, um, and so the, the context behind Lonely was, uh, he is when he was in his hotel room during, uh, Las, the Las Vegas stop of, you know, the BTS tour, and he just kind of felt, you know, lonely and a bit suffocated in his room, and so this is, this song is supposed to kind of captured that sentiment of when you're far from home and somewhere unfamiliar in a small little room Um, And even though um, this song isn't Necessarily, you know about the previous about the relationship that we are connecting from change part two It is very deliberate. I feel like to have this come right after that, right? in the track list
0: yeah yeah because like he like you said and like namjoon said the order the track sequence matters like that's why he was asking us to listen to this album in order so narratively this seems like an intentional move from him to sort of have this connection between closer and change part two even if they might be kind of inspired by two different events um So, yeah, I just think that it's also pretty fitting that, um, you know, as people have pointed out also, that, you know, this song is called Lonely. And incidentally, it is also one of the only songs in the album that has no collaborations. So there's no featuring artists singing with him, no nothing. And so when you have this song in, like, a sea full of, like, other songs full of collaborations, it really emphasizes that isolation that he felt when he was writing this song in the first place. And so, you know, this song is just really about that uh, feeling of loneliness being in a hotel room while they're on tour and just kind of missing home in general.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, And so the lyrics they begin with him saying i'm effing lonely all alone on an island so effing lonely somebody call me um and so he's just he's saying right off the bat how he feels um every second into eternity makes its way swiftly i hate that in this hotel room i'm floating all alone with cars honking loudly as the width of the room shrinks i'm trapped in myself
0: it's so sad first of all like you know just reading these lyrics out loud you can really tell that this was like a very like raw expression that he decided to go with like you know compared to the other songs especially with songs like for example yun or still life or you know something like that or even closer um like There's no like double meanings. There's no hidden uh message behind the words. It's just very like literal. Like it's like you basically take the lyrics at surface level because like it's just him speaking of his feelings like, hey, I'm lonely there's nothing behind those words. It's just him saying, I am lonely and you're supposed to take it as is. And, you know, you can really see that with, um, you know, the imagery that he also gives us uh, being in the hotel room, he hears all these cars honking loudly. So it's like, you know, there's still a lot of commotion going on, but just not within his space. He just feels like he's so cut off from the rest of the world um, that, you know, all they can do is just be within his hotel room and just shrink into himself. Especially given the fact that like, because of the fact that BTS are on tour, obviously they're there for schedules. So a lot of time is spent, you know, doing rehearsals and making sure everything's right for the concerts. And then the other part of that, yes, they do have the occasional free time, but as they've gotten bigger, it's just been uh, less possible for them to simply just go out uh, normally uh, into the streets, especially when they're in America. Uh, because in America people just have absolutely no respect when it comes to celebrities like celeb culture here is absolutely terrible I mean yeah it's pretty bad in Korea too with like sasaeng culture but like in America I feel like just paparazzi just feel the need to just follow you everywhere and I feel like it's a lot more in your face because like the thing with sasaengs is that a lot of times they're a lot more subtle like they'll be very covert about like their operations and whatever but like America like people just have no shame walking up to you shoving a camera in your face and being like hey you know i want to take a video of you they don't care about the fact that maybe you're not in the mood they don't care about the fact that you might be in a hurry somewhere they just do it anyway so it's like bts can barely even like go out without being recognized so a lot of times they are kind of just stuck in their hotel rooms and you know uh there's only so much that they can do within that confined space and you know with them being away from home they do talk about often how you know when they go on tour because they're on tour for very large amounts of time sometimes they get very homesick and then that's why a lot of times bts are usually found within like the you know a city's you know main k bbq place they're always looking for places that have korean restaurants because it at least helps them cope with this feeling of homesickness And so, you know, just taking that all into context, it just makes this even sadder, I think.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. And with that, um, you know, what's really interesting is, like, even though this does, you know, it's him feeling lonely, like, in his hotel room. But I feel like it then connects to Change Part 2 because he says... I tried a million times to let you go. so many memories are on the floor. and now I hate the cities I don't belong. just want to go back home. And so I feel like it's just one of those moments where even though like you're past something, sometimes when it's just like really late at night and like you're just experiencing a lonely time, you just start to reminisce about like past things um that you know maybe made you sad at one point and you said you were over but because you're just in this kind of depressed mindset you just start thinking about it again and so you're sad over it again even if in your head you're over it
0: Yeah, and on top of that, I also want to touch on the part where he says, and now I hate the cities I don't belong, because when you think about BTS, especially, um, you know, within the context of not just their career, but also the past couple of tracks that we talked about on Indigo thus far, Namjoon has constantly talked about walking along the borderlines. Like, there has never been a space where they have felt like they were completely a part of. And so when you... Put this into the context of them being on tour, especially because he wrote this when he was in Vegas and, you know, Vegas is in America. America, you know, their ascent into uh, the mainstream music industry in America has been all sorts of struggle because yes, while they have had steep um, spikes in popularity with every year that goes by, There has always been pushback from the media making them not even just the media, just the music industry in general that makes BTS feel like they're not welcome here. So the fact that, for example, they don't get their Korean songs played on the radio. They don't get their Korean songs nominated for the Grammys, even though they deserve them. And a lot of times these uh, bodies of uh, work that they put out their albums usually out chart and outperform their Western counterparts, Um, you know, when it comes to BTS. BTS just out, just out existing in America. A lot of people just love to fling racism and xenophobia their way. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a lot of times they just cannot catch a break. And even like BTS have opened up about experiences where people were even questioning, you know, why they spoke English. Like, they've had to deal with all sorts of ignorant, stupid, racist, and xenophobic questions ever since they've stepped into America and started officially promoting here in 2017. So, you know, hearing him say, and now I hate this city that I don't belong, like, it... Kind of, it really just kind of brings a little bit more gravity to that line because they, it's that's legitimately how they feel. And I remember there was a point in time, oh, I don't remember what it was for. It might have been mm-hmm. uh, something to do with like uh, Asian hate or whatever that they were addressing that like Namjoon said that they felt like aliens. Um, oh, it and was so, like,
1: for the Asian people, yeah, yeah. So,
0: like, they go to these countries, and they feel like they're just come from a completely different planet because of the treatment that they get. And so when you have this treatment, simply just for existing and promoting your music in a different country, you know, I, I don't blame him for wanting to go home.
1: Exactly. and You, you know, touring, touring is exhausting for a lot of artists, especially when you're touring in a place where... You kind of feel like you have to present the best version of yourself at all times because you're representing your whole country as you're doing it when you never asked to do that. You just wanted to make music and perform. And now suddenly you are like the representation and face of South Korea.
0: Yeah, because, you know, as time has gone by, especially since BTS announced their break, Um, I remember even Namjoon was saying that it got to a point where like, he didn't even know what they were anymore. Like it got to a point where he was like, what am I, a diplomat? Like, I feel like I started this with the idea of just making music and spreading that to, you know, people around and like to spread it with my fans. But then it just got to a point where, like, they got entangled into so many things that, like, he didn't even know what they were as a group anymore. And that's, you know, one of the big reasons why they had even decided to take this temporary hiatus anyway, you know, to give them some time to figure out who they were as a group, uh, what the direction of their career was going to be, and, you know, what... You know, and they were trying to, you know, get some experiences and just live their life and so they can reconvene and come back stronger as a group. So they're not constantly having to, you know, put out music in, um, you know, in the face of burnout, um, despite the fact that they would want nothing more than just to take a break and recharge.
1: Exactly. And so we get to the, so after we get to that chorus, um... He His next verse, it says, Obey, I gotta tell you some. I've become to hate everything. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm wasted. Time effing ticks and I hasten. YouTube and Netflix all day, just dating the data in my phone. My rendezvous with the morning every day, my Moulin Rouge that's turning red. Um, and so Moulin Rouge, um, so this might be a bit of a stretch, but Moulin Rouge uh, is, first of all, a uh, reference to a very famous cabaret in Paris called the Moulin Rouge, and it's been featured in a bunch of films, and it's been referenced a bunch of times. It's very famous in Paris, but there is also a hotel a famous hotel and casino in Las Vegas called the Moulin Rouge Hotel, of course, named after the nightclub. And so his Moulin Rouge that's turning red, um, it could mean that his hotel room is turning red, like the original Moulin Rouge, because of the amount of YouTube and Netflix he's consuming, because the colors of YouTube and Netflix are red.
0: Yeah, so just very interesting imagery that he's given us there. And it just goes to show you that, like, his days are so monotonous when he's on tour. And I think that, you know, all the members have kind of talked about that before that, like, when you're on tour, you know, you can only be in a hotel room so many times before it starts to get old. And so that same repeating day over and over again with Mm -hmm. nothing to do while you're inside the hotel room, it must be like super frustrating. And, you know, he wants to get out and especially knowing Namjoon, because Namjoon is always the type of person to just be going out and exploring nature, going to museums and stuff like that. Like even BTS, um, if you've ever watched their um, NBTI videos on Bangtan TV, They go and say that Namjoon is literally the only one in BTS who will always go out when they have a day off. And so when you have somebody like him, who's constantly out in nature, constantly going for walks in the park. And we've also talked about in the song Forgetful how meaningful things like that are to him because that's how he copes. Um, And you put a man like that and just... Like, put him inside of a hotel room. He has none of those comforting things for himself. He has none of those coping mechanisms. And so it just gets to the point where he has, like, literally nothing else to turn to.
1: Exactly. Um, and I like that also... What else did I like in this? Oh, the, um, where he says, Guess I'm wasted, um... Time ticks and I hasten. Um, so, like, he... So, like, time is moving on and he is, like, also quickly moving through the days. But, like, I see that as in, like, he's moving quickly through life, but there's nothing really happening. So, it's almost like he's kind of, like, wasting his time.
0: Exactly. And so... This is why I just really love uh, this song, because I feel like it just, yeah, it's just very raw, like I was saying, in nature. Mm -hmm. And I think he really does a great job in just voicing his feelings as they are. Um, in a way that's like not only for easy for people to understand and relate to, but it's just also like, it's like very stream of consciousness almost. That's like the kind of vibe I get from the song. And then, you know, after all um, his verses in the, in the song, um, the pre-chorus and the chorus change very slightly from the first time, um, Because the first time, you know, for comparison, the pre-chorus says, I tried a million times to let you go. So many memories are on the floor. And now I hate the cities. I don't belong. I just want to go back home. But now this time, he says, I shot a million stars to let you know. So many trivial thoughts are on the floor. And now I hate the buildings. I don't even know. Just want to go back home. So like this first, the, the second pre-chorus in comparison to the first pre-chorus He's talking about how, like, all of these, like, trivial thoughts that he has, like, that were born out of the boredom he feels within his hotel room. It's just all scattered all over the place, like, and, you know, he hates pretty much, like, everything about just being, you know, locked up. He feels in prison and he just wants to leave. And he's been trying to let people know, like, for so many times. Um, And then on top of that... um, He goes on to sing the chorus two more times, except in the last one, instead of saying somebody call me, he says somebody love me. And I think that that just really makes it like even more sad because not only does he feel like he's just bored out of his mind and he's homesick, but he feels like he's just missing just genuine comfort and he wishes for um, you know, the comfort of somebody else with him. And again, like narratively, that fits within the context of, you know, tracks four, uh, sorry, not tracks four, tracks five sit and five and six, which were closer and changed part two. And now he's talking about how he's just like lonely and now he wants somebody to love him. And he's just really feeling miserable. And yeah, it's just, it, it got me. I can't lie. This song really did get me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really, it's, it's very, you know, it's one of the more simpler songs, but it's so relatable. And I, I think it transitions really nicely, um, from what a experimental, uh, shock change part two was. And so, yeah, I think that we can get into hectic featuring cold.
0: Yeah, so hectic featuring cold. First of all, um the music picks back up again. It's very up tempo, upbeat. Um, in fact, I would classify the song more as disco pop as in this is the type of thing that you would hear in like, I don't know, a freaking roller skating rink in Detroit or something. I don't know. I feel like this is like Puffet by Beyonce's distant cousin, this song. Just the way it sounds instrumentally, it's just there. Like it gives the hype like she's that girl. I love Hectic. But yeah, um, so, you know, context behind this song. Um... You know, I think it's you know really just kind of getting into the fact that, um, you know, like there's a but like he he talks about how he you know interacts with a bunch of people and sees a lot of things and all of it is just very hectic and overwhelming, and so I think that that's kind of where he really got um, you know that song from, and so when you hear him talk about all these different things within. you know, within the song, it's basically just a lot about, like, complicated feelings when he's out interacting with the world.
1: Yes, and we, we what we were just saying about Lonely, which comes right before this, it's a great transition because in Lonely, he's talking about how he feels so suffocated and, you know, would definitely rather be interacting with the world. And then here... He is interacting with the world and it is almost overwhelming. Or I don't know why I'm saying almost, it is overwhelming. Um, and so it kind of feels like he can't win.
0: Yeah, that's literally how it feels. Like It's like he was inside and he was like, this is suffocating. He goes outside and he's like, I can't really handle all of this right now. There's just so many sounds That are coming at me right now and to be honest he does um uh mention uh soul the city in this song so it could almost if we were going narratively it could almost be like if lonely was him on tour then hectic was him back home And after he's come back home and he's gone from literally no contact with the outside world to suddenly being thrust back into the bright lights and, you know, Mm -hmm. massive crowds of the city of Seoul, that now that's just so overwhelming for him because he's just been used to not having that for weeks on end. And so now that's why it feels all so, like, overwhelming to him.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, And and I also like the uh rhyming hectic with there was nothing romantic because in change part two you know he ends that with saying you know i just want someone to love um and here he is kind of reaffirming that it is said he still is looking for love still in this song and it's just not finding it
0: yeah exactly and so you know, what he says um, in this song uh, I accidentally scrolled on too far. I have to go back. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I found a place where we were at. But yeah, so he was saying if I could only imagine just one, uh, just one other heaven, I really like that line where he's basically like um you know he's almost trying to envision a different like world where it's just better than what he has right now like because like he was saying it's hectic like there's so many sights and sounds around him and he feels like he has to go back into his head to imagine like an ideal version of like wherever he is for himself but, and what
1: oh no you don't know you can, you can finish what you were gonna say it's okay <laughs>
0: I know. Go ahead. Go
1: ahead. What were you going to oh, say? I was going to say, it's interesting. He doesn't say that he wishes... Like I feel like what's interesting is there's still a positivity to this. Because he's not saying... He's not imagining for heaven. He's saying just one another heaven. So it's as if he's saying that even though this life is so hectic and there's nothing romantic about it, I feel like he still sees life as good and positive and still sees existing currently now almost as a heaven
0: Mm, that's actually a good point because he could have just said if i could just imagine a heaven like and just keep it at that but he said another one implying that there's already one to begin with so i think that that's a good observation where maybe i think it's just a matter of like he loves being within this uh within this place but then, you know, maybe wants to imagine another heaven to take a break from that. when Exactly. He needs it. And then when he wants to go back, then he goes back. So then it's almost like kind of almost like the duality between track seven and track eight, where you have him being lonely. Um, and he wants to go back, um, but then he goes back and then he wants to be alone again. So it's almost like those two are their own separate heavens for two completely different contexts. When he's tired of all of the overwhelming people and all the sights and sounds, he wants to go back to just being by himself. But then when he wants a break from that, then he goes back to busy soul. And um, that also reminds me of one of his songs from uh, his mixtape RM from 2015. Um that song is called Life if you haven't heard it it is absolutely amazing it's actually my favorite song on that mixtape mm-hmm. and um you know he talks about in life this idea of uh, being alone and that sometimes like it doesn't even matter how many people surround you, somebody could still feel lonely on the inside and you know there's a lot of discussion about also like the meaning of life, the meaning of death and you know are we living to die or are we dying to live and what's the difference between the two if there is one. And I think that I just really like uh, the commentary about like the whole loneliness thing, because there really is a difference between being alone and being lonely. Because when you're alone, you know, there's a lot of people who find um, solace in that in being alone. Some people need to be alone to recharge. I mean, Delilah and I were both introverts, so we know exactly what that's like. <laughs> um, but then there are other times where you feel lonely, where you are by yourself and you feel like that's bad. You feel like you need somebody else to be with you. And there's a distinct difference between the two. And it's interesting how he kind of almost talks about the same thing in this. Um, where he, you know, also talks about the idea of being alone and how, um, here he craves to be alone, but not to be lonely.
1: Yes. Um, and, you know, trying to balance, um, that difference between being alone and being lonely is so difficult sometimes for introverts because, Because, you know, being with people can be so exhausting, but then sometimes it sucks to be by yourself. Mm.
0: Yeah, it really does, because sometimes I really do feel like I need that time by myself, but then sometimes I might take too much time by myself and I'm like, oh, you know what, maybe I should go and spend some time with somebody else. And it's up to you to really acknowledge and to be able to pay attention to your own feelings. Um, so you can understand the difference between the two, but I just really like that. Um, uh, I guess that running conversation about that that's present in this song, but yeah, going on to the next, uh, lines, he talks about another awkward smile on my face, all those worn out memories among people who have nothing to talk about, round and round of liquor talks, that feeling of dying for another day. Um, And then, like, you know, just talking about that, he's basically saying, you know, I've already exhausted my social battery with people who talk about things that I don't even care about. And he makes the mention of liquor talks, which I assume is just like, you know, you get together, you have a drink with your friends and like, you're probably listening to them. Uh, talk about something while they're drunk and especially if you're the only sober person there that is an excruciating experience to have like Mm -hmm. y'all don't know how it feels to spend time with people who are all drunk or tipsy except for you because it's like you're on like two completely different planes of existence at that point
1: right exactly um and with that i i think you know i i to go too much into our being talking about being an introvert or else I'm gonna make myself sad um <laughs> but you know sometimes you have to push yourself to like go to something because you know that like even if you might not enjoy it as much as you could you don't want to you don't really want to be alone again so you kind of just push yourself to go attend things that you're invited to if you get invited to things um Oh, you went
0: there.
1: (laughs) I did. I had to add that. Um, But it was more more of a diss to myself um, than anything. But, you know, recently, though, I I have been trying to go out if someone invites me to something. Um, Although, I do still have my boundaries. And I will say, I'm really not feeling it tonight. Uh, But, yeah. With that, we get... um, into his next verse where he says even the poem i wrote down without knowing where it lead me to became the path that i've walked along without my knowing in the past memories i who doesn't want to get lost anymore please save me and this is definitely just referring to his whole career as a musician Like, who knew just, like, I don't know, writing down some song lyrics in your middle school uh, notebook would become and turn into this?
0: Yeah, um, I think that definitely Cold's verse added, like, another layer to this song that just really made it so good. Especially, like, when you also match it up with, like, for example uh um the pre course where they're like met the people uh talking some ish hate the reason they all spit if borden is a pain how should we do this game i keep thinking and thinking and like it just goes to show you that like they're already like sick of you know whatever people have to say and they just like want to go home like they're like even like just the fact like please save me it's almost like it like when they say please save me, it's almost like a it's more than simply just oh I'm bored and I want to go home. It's like like almost like a cry out for help. It's like mm-hmm. something deeper inside where it's not even just the fact that, oh, you know, you're you're just tired or you're bored or something like that. It's like no, like I feel like I'm just like really stressed and overwhelmed and I would like to remove myself from this situation.
1: Exactly. Uh, the, the, you know, BTS has kind of like used the save me, you know, sentiment quite a few times in their songs. Um, I mean, of course, there's, you know, the actual song, uh, Save Me, but th- there's quite, uh, some other songs, uh, too, where they had the sentiment of, you know, needing to just be taken away from, whatever suffering existence they're in at the time. And I think it's also interesting that Jude says, in the past memories, I, who doesn't want to get lost anymore, please save me. He, the person that he's asking to save him is, if we go back to the beginning of the album, back to when he was nine, where he wrote down his first poem. That's who he's asking to save him
0: yeah i think definitely that is just such a uh, like the amount of connections you can just make to different songs not even just like within like BTS's work but also within the same album like even though like namjoon said like the songs were kind of like all over the place especially genre wise like narratively so many things just do connect and I think that it's an incredible thing that he manages to do. And, you know, back to the lines uh, where, um, I believe this is Cold's verse where he's talking about, even the poem I wrote down without knowing where it lead me to became the path I've walked along without my knowing. It's kind of like goes back to what I was saying about how, you know, BTS kind of just like started, you know, because they wanted to make music and they wanted to share it with people, but then they didn't understand where that would take them in, you know, five, six, seven, and now, nine years time, uh, going on 10 actually in six months, it's nine and a half years now. And, um, you know, thinking about that, it just makes you realize that like, they really just did start out from like, uh, you know, a genuine passion for what they wanted to do. And now like this path that they've been walking on, they didn't even realize where it was going. And that just goes to show you how unexpected their success and their impact was along the way. And, you know, we all know this, um, you know, BTS has said that um, the road that they've taken is unexpected. And now, like, they've gotten to a position where, like, they have all these different people who are looking up at them and, you know, you know putting them on this pedestal. And now, like, it's just, like, crazy. And, you know, when they say uh in the next lines, in the past memories, I who doesn't want to get lost anymore, please save me, like, it's almost like the when they're talking about, like, uh who doesn't want to get me, who wants to not get lost anymore? It's almost kind of reminds me of kind of what I was saying previously about how Nam Namjoon said that it got to a point where, like, BTS, like, he didn't know what kind of group they were. And so that was almost like a way where, like, they were walking on that path and they almost got lost because they weren't really sure what type of artist they were supposed to be. And so that's, like, almost like, like you said, like reaching out to your past self and asking them, like, save me. I don't know what I'm doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like because they, because your past self has no, like, they don't know what's going to happen. Um, and so it's almost like maybe if your past self did something, does something different, makes a different decision, maybe you wouldn't be feeling the way you are now
0: right and going on to the next lines um after he um after both he and cold sing the pre-chorus again um and the chorus again as well um he gets to i would call it a bridge but then the song kind of ends uh somewhere smoothly after this um but actually no it doesn't there is an extra hook at the end but um when they sing the, the, um, the chorus after this, they say, Hangover's over the posture of this sensual city, a nocturne for sad soul of the night, despite knowing we lose another day. And then I think Cold sings, What would be happiness? A little bit of peace that we hope for so bad. Leaving those whose hearts lost color behind, we finally embroider the night sky with stars. So, like again, this is him mentioning soul again, which is how I got the whole thing about how this must be soul in the other places. Talking about Vegas, um, where he says hangover is over, and I think maybe in this case. Um, you could either take it literally as in he's gone and had a literal hangover because I mean in the previous verses he was talking about liquor talk so that was probably maybe him potentially intoxicated or like a metaphorical hangover where maybe it's like the hangover that where he felt like all of this like sadness and overwhelming feelings over being back in the city but now like he's kind of over it. And so Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of why, like, almost, like, the bridge almost kind of builds up the way it does. It's almost like it's almost getting more positive. uh, Yeah. Just the way it sounds.
1: And, yeah, I think kind of just like with the previous songs on this album, as we get near the end, we are starting to find a resolve in the narrative. Um, And, you know, like I said earlier, how I feel like there was already... A sense of positivity with the reference to one another heaven. Um, I feel like by keeping that sentiment, he's finally, he is eventually able to come out positive, uh, with a positive mindset after going through this slump that he's experiencing. Um, and I, I love the, um, The Posture of the Central City, A Nocturne for Sad Soul of the Night, and A Nocturne is just in music. It's, um, it's basically just a song that is, like, inspired by nighttime, um, although if you want to take, like, the original, like, music, um, like, the way this was used in, like, classical music, like, at first, like, the nocturnes were just, like, pieces that, uh, you, like, you played for nighttime performances, and then eventually they became character pieces, um, where, like, they told more of a narrative about, um, the night, so, yeah, all too much information, no one cares, but I, you know, I, I, I like classical music, so just wanted to talk about it, (laughs) um, (laughs) And, uh, uh, so he basically says, like, uh, you know, a night song, a ballad for soul. Um, and despite knowing we lose another day, uh, so basically, like, we know, um, that it's like, we know this, like, we know we're in this kind of slump, and we know that we don't get any younger. We are closer to dying as each day passes by, but we kind of just let the day go by anyway. Um, and then he says, I what would be happiness, the little bit of peace that we hope for so bad, leaving those whose hearts lost colors behind. We finally embroidered the night sky with stars. So this is, you know, that little bit of peace that wanting another heaven um you know, we're not going to leaving whose hearts lost color. So, like those people, perhaps you know the people in Change Part Two and Lonely that from that relationship, uh, we're leaving those people behind because we are not going to continue to stay in the slump. We're going to embroider the night sky with stars, and I feel like this kind of whole passage is reminiscent of just soul from mono where he's talking about like the whole he literally says in soul i love you i hate you soul uh and so he's always had this love hate relationship with soul because i mean how how could you not like this is you know where you live it's uh where you work and, you know, you owe your life to this city, um, but you're, there's also parts of it that aren't perfect, and so you're going to develop this love-hate relationship, and I also feel like, um, we finally embroider the night sky with stars. That reminds me of, um, I believe it's Magic Shop, where they talk about, how, like, the, like, your flaws, you know, those make up constellations. Um, And so he's embroidering the night sky with all of these negative feelings that he's been harboring. He's using that to turn that into something beautiful and to decorate this gloomy, dark night and turn it into something bright.
0: Yeah, I think that that's just something that I really like, that sort of poetic way that he's put it. And you're right, like this song definitely does remind me of Soul, especially within like the last lines of the song. Um, Because after this it goes, close your eyes like you're dreaming, hold your breath gently. The dancing people's footsteps draw curves on the ground, Though we can't hold on to things that are meant to flow away. We still love and hate this city. And, you know, like you said, that's back to the course of Soul from Mano, where he's like, if love and hate are the same words, I love you, soul. If love and hate are the same words, I hate you, soul. And, you know, that whole song was basically about, um, like you said, that love hate relationship he had with the city of Soul and how he, you know, he already hates the fact that despite the fact that he doesn't like this city, it's already become a part of him, whether he likes it or not. And, you know, That also, you know, that theme also comes back within like the last part of this song. And also a line that interests me is actually the line before that last line where he says that we can't hold on to things that are meant to flow away. And that, again, connects back to uh, the past three tracks, um, Closer, Change Part 2, and Lonely where you know it's talking about uh you know a dying relationship and how some things just aren't meant to be and how he's again like reiterating we can't hold on to things that are meant to flow away. So in this case that relationship was also meant to flow away but he was holding on to it hoping to you know continue it and make it last but it just wasn't gonna work. And so he eventually let go of that. He let go of all of his feelings and now he's gotten onto a point where he's already just, like, so past this, and he's already come to accept just things for... He's just come to accept things as they are.
1: And it narratively transitions so good into the next song, Wildflower. He ends the song saying he's going to embroider the night sky with stars, and that um it, it's okay that we can't hold on to things that are not meant to be hold on to. Wildflower is the culmination of pretty much the, all of the previous songs, um, and that we've been listening to.
0: Exactly, and so with that going on to, you know, Wildflower, some context behind the song Wildflower. First of all, the title, um. The title, um, actually, um, it is you know taken from well at least you know people theorize that you know the title is taken from, uh, you know, because on Dulce Bangtan's website she also mentions that um, in a 2015 interview of the um, HYYH on stage a blog program book, when asked what role Namjoo would want to take on if he joined the cast of a young adult movie, he answered. Might be fine just being a wildflower bloomed on the side of the street. And then also, um, you know, in April 2017, he posted the Korean title of wildflower. And he said, perhaps in our lives, we need wildflowers rather than flames or cherry blossoms in bloom tranquilly. Um, and, you know, a little bit of context behind the wordplay of this uh, the title of this song Um the word for wildflower is pronounced uh, in Korean. And then um, the word for fireworks is um, which is a mixture of the word flame and also like player, amusement, and recreation. Um, and then itself is um, a composite word of which is fire, and then which is flower. So making it flower of fire. Um, And also similarly, a little bit of a tidbit, um, it also is constructed the same way in Japanese because the word for fireworks in Japanese is hanabi and hana is flowers in Japanese and then the Japanese word for explosion is bi. So putting that together, hanabi is actually flower explosion, which I thought was pretty cool when I first learned that Mm -hmm. word. And so I just really like the way that it is structured um, and you can really see how like that comes into play with how he created the title of this uh, song because also he had said that he originally wanted to name the title of this song Flowerworks. But then he said that because it didn't make sense in English that he didn't want people to be confused and to focus too much on that because obviously it didn't make sense in English. So then he changed it to Wildflower instead. Um, but then, instead of that, um, you know, the Korean title of this track is instead called um, instead of "burkotnori," which is firework. He says "durkotnori," which is you know taking "durkot," which is wildflower, and then um, you know adding it to the translation for like fireworks. So basically, it means like wild flower works. So it's Flowerworks in Korean, but the English title isn't Flowerworks, basically is what I'm trying to say. The wordplay works better when it's in Korean. And so that's why there's a mixture of the English and Korean, uh the the Korean, the English and Korean sound, the, the titles of the song. But basically to explain what this song is about. Um, A lot of it is just pretty reflective of, you know, what he's done so far in his career and basically talking about his own dreams and aspirations and what he wants to be, um, you know, in terms of like in the context of like a firework or a, you know, a wildflower. And if you watch the music video, you'll also be able to put that into better context. but uh we'll we'll get into these lyrics right now because these lyrics are very poetic so they're going to require a lot of breaking down and i'm trying to keep this under the two hours and 30 minutes mark
1: girl give up (laughs) but we're already at we're already approaching the two hour mark just give up um but we'll, we'll 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 try to we'll try to um Be as concise as we can with this song because, you know, there's a reason this is the title track, technically. Like, there's a reason that this is a title track, and there's also a reason why it's the um, second-to-last song on the album. You know, he really wanted to paint a narrative with this album he really wanted this to demonstrate his, you know, 20s. And because this song is the second to last song on the album, we can garner that this is meant to be a reflection of where he's at, at least currently. Um, because it's, if it's later in the album, then that is how recent it is. Um so with that uh we start with the flower field that's where i'm at open land that's where i'm at no name that's what i have no shame i'm on my grave and you know just the way this song opens up it's almost like cinematic um and i'm not even just talking about the music video like i'm just talking about like this song starts and just like the instrumentals so everything just feels big uh Mm. and he's talking about this open land so uh it, it makes sense that the instrumental matches the lyrics in this way
0: yeah like theatric is the perfect word for it because the way it starts out it's already at this climax and if you think about it especially because we're putting this back in the context of like fireworks and stuff the music video also starts with fireworks bursting in the air And when you think about it, you know, when a firework bursts in the air, that is the climax right there. And so we start on this massive climax because in a sense, it's almost like this song explodes like a firework into into existence, into action. And so he starts at this very high point and then the verses, he actually tones it back down. Um, Because usually with a lot of songs, it's the opposite where you'll have a verse that'll start out on a lower point and then there's that build up in the pre-chorus to so the chorus which is the most explosive part or the most climactic part of the song um you know uh in most cases and then it goes back down for the next verse and then it keeps on repeating that process until the song ends but namjoon's song here with wildflower is actually the opposite it starts off climactic but then it goes back down for the verses and then it goes back to being climactic and it continues doing that cycle in the reverse until it's over. And so that's why I really, really like this song because it's just so unusually structured melody-wise that it really does capture your attention. It's almost like if the chorus, um, and like the pre-chorus is like the fireworks is exploding in the air then the verses afterwards are like the calm after the fireworks have finished exploding and he's coming down and he's reflecting on what just happened which i think is an incredible way to express that not even just lyrically but also also sonically
1: yes um He goes on to say when your feet don't touch the ground when your own heart consumes you when your own dreams devour you when you don't feel like yourself all those times um, and this is he's speaking to himself um, but you know this is also a message of positivity for everyone. Um, uh, when um, you know, sometimes things just become so overwhelming, you know, that you kind of feel like you're just kind of drifting through life. Uh, This this is who, you know, this song is for.
0: Yes, I love the fact that you can take that in two different ways where he's both speaking to the people listening to this and also to himself. It's like this dedication, which is also, you know, kind of similar to what he did with the actual, um, cover of Indigo, um, and I'm going to pull, actually, I'm going to pull up the album cover right here. I'm trying to, like, um, read it
1: because, like, my bookshelf is over there and it's kind of facing me. So I'm just, like, squinting my eyes see if I can read it <laughs> from here.
0: Yeah, like, I'm trying to get, like, a Google image of it that I can zoom in on very quickly.
1: <laughs> oh, girl, I'll just grab my album. <laughs> okay, I got it. All right. Um... Record of R.M. Indigo from the colors of nature, human, etc. Use it while taking a walk, a shower, drive, coffee break, work, dance, read a book. When flowers bloom or fall, the last archive of my 20s.
0: Yes, that's what I wanted to read, but I could not find any picture that wasn't like zoomed out by 500%. But Like, that's kind of the point of what I was making, how it's like a dedication where he's like, like you said, Delilah, like, oh, to the people whose feet don't touch the ground when your own heart consumes you, when your own dreams devour you, when you don't feel like yourself, like this song is for you. This album is for you. I hope you take this message to heart. And also something that I actually forgot to touch upon. Um... That um part in the beginning where he's like, no name, that's what I have, no shame, I'm on my grave. That is a connection back to still life where he was talking about, give me no name because I'm untitled, which goes back to the fact that he is constantly crossing, uh, he's constantly walking on borderlines. So he's never ever fit in a specific category, which is how he's able to leave himself untitled and feel comfortable in doing so. And so he's like, yes, I'm unnamed, but that's nothing to be ashamed of. This is what I've come to accept. And, you know, untitled is title in itself. It's a category that may not seem like it's a category, but I mean, there's kind of like a special place for things that are untitled. It's um, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like when you have things that are untitled, like, yes, it means that it's because it doesn't necessarily, like you're, you're, like you're not trying to fit it into a specific category or to give something a certain name. But then there is like a specific vibe about things that are untitled, if you see what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then there's also something about... um The, the, no shame, I'm on my grave. I feel like that connects to a lyric in, um, Yoon that I'm trying, I'm trying to look back at Yoon, um, kind of, um, oh yes, uh, so remember when we were talking about, um, in Yoon, that one line where it says, sparkling flames are to be rendered down to the ground. And kind of about. <laughs> yes, yes. And so basically that whole cycle of, you know, life and death and rebirth. And so no shame. I'm on my grave. That connects to Yoon. That basically where I am, I like, I, he's not saying I'm on my grave as in like I'm near death, but because he is alive and he's present, he is continuously existing on his grave at all times. Because at any point in our life, we eventually, you know, go back down into the ground, um, and once again, uh, just like how fireworks are to be rendered to the ground as referenced in the song Yoon, which is the first track on the album, and I find that even more genius and poetic because Wildflower, yes, is the second to last song on the album, but it is the title track, this is the culmination, this is the song supposed to set the message for people um, discovering this album, what people are going to watch because they're going to watch the music video first and then go listen to the album. So to have this, um, you know, be talked about in the song, and then when you go listen to the album, you're going to jump in with you and as the first track, Wildflower, you know, connects right away with that.
0: Exactly. And also just the fact that, like, that, you know, kind of that kind of symbolism is even more amplified when you think about like wildflowers or just flowers or plants in general. How, you know, for them, it's especially more visible to see just how they are rendered back down into the ground. Because, you know, for example, when you see dead plants like they, you know, die very quickly they decompose quite quickly and so as a wildflower he would also be almost like in that kind of sense rooted to his grave um because flowers are rooted to the ground and eventually all life comes goes back to the ground so that's also another way in which you could interpret that and um going on to the actual verse um he says i wish to be a flower of fire i just wish to have a beautiful fall Even before the beginning, I imagined that I'd be able to smile and applaud at the end. I yearn for it. When all things I believed in drifted away from me, when all this fame turned into shackles, please take this greed away from me, no matter what it takes. So here you can see that he had dreams and ambitions to be something, to be something great. Um, and flower fire here is just referring to fireworks because again, taking into account the word for fireworks in Korean, which is 불꽃놀이, mm-hmm. it literally means uh fire flower, um. And he just wanted to be able to explode brightly as a firework and then fall, and that would be the end of that, and that he would enjoy looking at the ending. But, you know, as time went on, um, especially with the trajectory of BTS's career and as we've talked about in previous songs, um, BTS got to a position in their life where they felt so pressured from the fame, which you know goes back to what he says in this verse about his fame turning into shackles, which is also something that has been discussed in their work before in songs like Interlude Shadow by Yungi and Black Swan. Um, where basically they get to a point where they're on this pedestal, but they feel like they're flying too high and they're afraid of the pedestal that they've been put on and they just want to come back down. Um, And, you know, back in 2018, like we said, that really came to uh, almost a boiling point where they genuinely considered disbanding because of the immense pressure that they were put through and the toll that that was taking on them mentally. And so, you know, for this to be turned into... A lyric like this like please take this greed away from me no matter what it takes it's almost like he understands the fact that like this fame is choking him but because he still wants to have that beautiful ending he's still pushing towards that goal even though he knows that it was hurting them so he's basically just begging somebody to take away his ambition so he doesn't have to continuously hurt himself in the venture to reach his goals Mm
1: Mm-hmm. exactly Um, it, it's overall, um, I, I just love that we, BTS are just so consistent in their theme messaging while also always growing as musicians and artists, like, this, the growth is so apparent, but, like, you can tell that they're just consistently thinking about these types of things throughout their career, I think that's just what makes, you know, that's why people connect with their music, like, they see how you know, BTS are constantly, you know, reflecting and they take what they do very seriously and do it with all of their heart. Um, And because we can see, you know, the growth and the connection to their lyrics is how we know that they're just so personally involved with it.
0: Yes, and I think that that continuation just really just goes to show you how involved they are in their work and how, you know, their work grows alongside them because their work is directly impacted by their personal experiences and also one extra line after like um the please take this greed away from me no matter what it takes he also says oh please let me stay myself and on the Dulce Bangtan website here it actually says that like the way that he ended the sentence here in Korean he used the term which um is basically a translation of like please do but it's like a Formally polite style that is traditionally used when addressing a king or a queen, and is now used in historical dramas or religious contexts as one begs to a superior being. So, with that concept, to, with that context in mind, it's almost like he's begging to like God himself to just take this greed away from him. Like he's so distressed by the fact that like this fame is hurting him but he wants to keep pursuing it that he feels like in order for all of this pain to end he basically has to beg a higher being to just remove all of his ambition from him which I think is just an incredibly powerful thing once you have that context in mind.
1: Exactly and that's why people they have to read BTS lyrics and they have to read you know from these translators um, about you know, the context of these lyrics. And because you're not usually going to get like these types of translator notes from something like Genius or like from some just like basic translation. Uh, We could just, it, it sounds like so simple. Um, and, but when you take the context of what it's used in, it suddenly just becomes so elevated and you understand that there is way more gravity to what he's saying than what someone on the surface level might, uh, might, uh, originally interpret it. And so with that, uh, he then goes on to say, oh, every day and every night persistent pain and criminal mind. So, you know, just like what Daisy was saying, you know, he's begging, uh, you know, some higher being to, you know, this pain is persisting. Um, and, you know, his mind is, you know, basically, you know, a criminal for making him go through this suffering. Um, those nights when the sound of my own beating heart kept me from falling asleep, The mournful crescent moon hung outside the window. Uh, So, yeah, just once again, more, you know, reflecting on nights of anxiety and just stress. Um, And he does say the more so from the mournful crescent moon hung outside the window. He then goes on to say, I do wish me a lovely night. My life has grown larger than what I deserve or can afford Struggling to hold onto a balloon that is drifting away. I question where it could be that you are now. Where you go? Where's your soul? Yo, know, where's your dream? And that, of course, is a callback to his lyrics in intro persona.
0: Yes, there are just so many different connections here and also a lot of things that I have picked up within those few lines. So first of all, when he says persisting pain in criminal minds, when you think about criminal minds, that usually just refers to like the mind of a criminal, the mind of somebody who commits crimes. But like in this context, when he's talking about how he's lying awake at night, and his even like the sound of his beating heart was keeping him awake. I feel like criminal mind in this case is basically just the fact that he's thinking about so many things and, you know, his thoughts are also keeping him awake to the point where it's almost criminal in that sense. Right. The fact that he can't go to sleep simply because of that. And, you know, also the fact that he wishes himself a lovely night Um, The way he says it, um, especially where he emphasizes the word do is like when you hear it in studio, he's like, I do wish me a lovely night. Almost like it's like, you know what? I feel like I deserve this after all that I've been through. Mm -hmm. I've never really, you know, put myself first. And so I think that I do deserve, you know, one day of peace and tranquility after all of these sleepless nights that I've had. And, you know, on top of that. Um, he continues on to say, um, my life has grown larger than what I deserve or can afford. First of all, you know, that's something that I think, you know, not even just June, but BTS themselves are always so humble about. The fact that, you know, even though that they have this fame, they never take it for granted and even go as far as to say that it's more than what they deserve. And, you know, I can understand how that can also be a burden in itself because, again, you're looking at a group of artists who never actually expected to become this big. And so because of that, of course the fame could end up being very overwhelming sometimes to the point where sometimes you wish you just didn't have it, um, especially for BTS. like if even if they disband today, they can never go back to the way that life originally was for them before their debut. They're just too big and too influential for that. And so, you know, now that they've gotten to this point in time where they're literally global superstars, I can understand why they've had so many sleepless nights thinking about just the sheer amount of influence that they have across the entire world. And the struggling to hold onto a balloon that is drifting away coincides with the lyrics from Hectic that we were just talking about, where he says, we can't hold on to things that are meant to flow away. So in this case, it's the fact that, you know, it's his greed that he's trying to desperately hold on to and is refusing to let go because he still wants to chase after his dream. And so, like, when you put that back into context, like, you see how many connections that he's right. just doing like it's just so many different Mm -hmm. connections that he's just making and then when he says like where you go where's your soul where's your dream like you said not only is that like uh, a connection back to intro persona where he's talking about like oh where's your soul who am i and like that whole song was basically just about questioning his identity Um, you know he also says where's your dream which is also a callback to no more dream from 2013 and that you know it just goes straight back to the beginning of their career and man like I could write a whole thesis about the connections in this Mm -hmm. album it's absolutely ridiculous
1: it really is and then with that oh my gosh Eugene oh my god Uh, Eugene just you know, she herself is a firework with how her voice just pierces this chorus, um, you know, saying, I'll scatter, like, a flower, flower work, um, just absolutely amazing. I, I see why Nam June was like, it just has to be her, um, on this song, um, or else, like, this, the song would be completely different, um, And I'm thankful that uh she agreed to do this uh collaboration. I I still haven't um managed to check out Cherry Filter yet, but I definitely want to because Eugene's voice is absolutely amazing. Uh and it just it it is the perfect voice to make such an impactful chorus.
0: Right? Like the just just the sheer amount of power. In her voice just really had me so surprised and like like I said in the beginning like the fact that the chorus like it's just such a massive climax Um, and that's how the song also starts out like with this massive climax of just like explosions and instrumentation and all that kind of stuff and her vocals really really add to that and Honestly, like Namjoon, he was a man with a mission when he was getting all of these artists to come and collaborate with him on this album because I feel like her voice just fit into this so well. But you know the lyrics that she's singing here, "Into the sky, I'll scatter. um, Light of flower work. um, Into the sky, dazzling bright. Light of flower work." And. You know, just thinking about that, again, it goes back to Namjoon's verse where he was saying that he hoped that he could be um, a flower of fire. How he just wants to be able to go into the sky and just be able to explode this dazzlingly bright light scattering across the sky. In fact, I really like that term, you know, scattering across the sky, because it implies that, like, you don't just, like, like... Like you don't just explode in one place, but like you there are like traces of yourself all over the sky. So it's like almost like leaving your mark on the sky as you're exploding, which I think is just incredible imagery to have. And um yeah, she did her thing with this chorus. Like I like I don't even know how somebody could possess such strong, powerful vocals like her. It's just incredible.
1: Yeah, I really hope we can get um uh, a, a live performance with her present um
0: i mean we yeah. have technically
1: did what, what what i don't remember her being there
0: she was there i swear was in that one where namjoon was uh performing with some of the other artists in that one like bar area at rolling um, hall
1: Was she there? Did I just miss... I'm pretty sure she
0: was. Oh, my gosh.
1: See, maybe I'm just tired. um, Because I watched that concert. um, And I guess I just... uh, I don't know. Maybe I was half asleep or something. I'm going to go rewatch it then. Because I need to see... um... No, she was there, wasn't she? Yeah. I'm dumb. She was definitely there. Oh, my gosh. Um... But I don't care. I need multiple live performances of it. <laughs> the audience would like to see it. That the audience would like to see it again. I don't, think, I don't think I could ever get tired of like just hearing that chorus come on. Um, and so with that, um, the Namjoon's next verse is, How far would my end be? I'm so fed up with it all from 1 to 10. When would this mask that I'm sick of come off? Yeah, me no hero, me no villain, I who was nothing. And of course, this is just back to his whole thing about being untitled.
0: Right. Like, he is somebody who doesn't want to take up any sort of label. Um, That's the way he's been for a while. That's the way that BTS has been for a while. And the fact that he's like, yeah, I'm not a hero. I'm a villain. I'm just like, kind of just nobody. I'm not, I'm basically not even here. And um, he's really embracing the fact that there is no way to categorize him. Um, and it also may be interpreted as, uh, it also may be interpreted as him being humble. Where <clears throat> he's basically not um, associating himself with these big roles like being a hero or a villain. He feels like he's almost just like kind of like a civilian almost. Where it kind of goes back to what he was saying in that 2015 interview where they asked him what type of character he would be in a young adult like movie or whatever. knew he was like, I just want to be the wildflower on the street. Like, he's not really obsessed with being somebody big with massive impact. I mean, that's who he's become, but it's not necessarily done with that much intent in mind. And he's like, yeah, me, I'm just nobody. I'm just a regular person. Because at the end of the day, you know, impact aside, that's what he is. That's who he is. He is just a person like everyone else. And so I think, you know, especially these days with how big they are, I think he does take that comfort in being able to have that space where he doesn't have to be RM of BTS. He can just be Kim Nam
1: Exactly. He goes on to say, "My engine keeps idling. My memories turn violent. Lying in a field, I cast my eyes upon the sky. Now I can't remember what I had wanted. All the happiness I thought I earned only lasted a second. And this is really interesting because. Uh, it kind of feels like the other side of fireworks, of how, you know, people, sometimes I think of fireworks, to think of them as, you know, this bright, brilliant thing that is also very fleeting. Um. Yes. And so, it's interesting, you know, um, how he says, you know, his engine keeps idling, so like, his passion, it's always ready to go um it's always there um and that you know maybe he can't remember what exactly he had wanted and that maybe that happiness that only lasted a second but regardless of that he's still gonna keep going um because he says right after that i'd be going no matter what's in front no matter what it is memories of letting things out Grabbing the edge of dawn by its collar. The society that is for those with loud voices and I still speak
0: silence.
1: Like what? Grabbing the edge of dawn by its collar. What amazing imagery. Especially, you will
0: never get somebody who will write music like him.
1: Especially because there have been, this is, I feel like in previous songs, um namjoon was talking about how the days just go by right and -hmm. so like the day just passes but right now he's grabbing the edge of dawn by its collar he's not going to let the day just pass he is literally seizing the day
0: yes oh my gosh literally seizing the day oh my gosh i got chills it's like it reminds me of um tomorrow um as in like uh the song that bts had on i believe it was school love affair it is school affair yep Mm. yes and within the lyrics of tomorrow they have a lyric that goes something like because um it is darkest what was it it is darkest right before the dawn Mm -hmm. where they were basically with that um phrase they're saying that you may be in oblique position right now, but right before, like, but but it's like the darkest when it's right before dawn, and dawn can be interpreted as like a breakthrough. And so they're basically saying to hold on to hope because no matter how dark it gets. It just means that the dawn is on the horizon. And so you can't just give up when it's dark in your life. And so that's why I really like this imagery of grabbing dawn by its collar, because he's almost trying to hurry up that process where he's in the midst of his dark, violent thoughts, which is what he was literally just talking about. And now he's trying to grab dawn by its collar, collar as if to like to prevent it from escaping or to even hurry it up to make it come faster for him because he's waiting on. that breakthrough, that miracle, or that, you know, that light inside of his dark world to, you know, to appear, but it's not appearing fast enough for him. And, you know, in the music video, actually, when he is rapping this verse, you will notice that he's actually rapping it while he's in the middle of a hurricane and as people have pointed out also within that hurricane there's a bunch of things like swirling around within like the wind and stuff like and uh, some of it was actually like music equipment and stuff and it reminded me of an interview that um, BTS had Uh, it was like an Amazon interview from like 2021 I believe where um, Namjoon had once said when asked about um, what he thought about like BTS or ARMY's impact on the world he equated it to being within the eye of a hurricane and that only when that hurricane subsides would he be able to look back and see the impact that it has left behind and so you can really see in that sense that like he's like in this whirlwind of different things And like, he's also unaware of like just how much like impact this hurricane is having on the rest of the world and i don't want to use the word damage because bts what they do is incredibly positive so i'm trying not to use that word even though it's like taking the imagery of a hurricane but i will say you know something that bts and hurricanes do have in common is that they are powerful and they are 100 forces of nature to be reckoned with and Mm -hmm. You know, what you were saying earlier about fireworks and like the other side of fireworks and how even though they're beautiful, they're also fleeting. It also reminds me of like this point in time, like uh, I believe like two months ago where I was cleaning out my room. And while I was cleaning out my room, I found out some ripped pages of a journal entry that I had done actually like almost exactly four years to like four years to the day that I had found it, so like I had found the entries on like November seventh, twenty twenty two, and I looked at the pages and it was from November eighth of twenty eighteen. I was like, "Whoa, that's weird." First of all, <laughs> um, but then in that journal entry, I was actually talking about the exact same themes of fireworks and happiness, and so. I hope you guys don't mind me reading a little bit of that entry because i just thought it was relevant to the conversation but i had managed to find my post about on twitter but i had said something like um fireworks and happiness are they really that different like fireworks happiness come in short bursts and lights up our dark world when it happens it's beautiful and colorful yet it's so fleeting making it even more valuable because it's finite And I think that, you know, this really takes, you know, this really takes shape within this song because of the fact that, like Dela said, there's that aftermath of fireworks where even though they light up the sky, it's such a fleeting moment that oftentimes we have to seek out more you know, we have to look for more happiness to be able to light up our sky, our darkness, to the point where, you know, June is getting desperate. And like you said, he's literally grabbing onto the collar of dawn because like he's trying to find another way in which to get happiness in the midst of his thoughts that are violent and dark. And so I think that definitely within that sense, that's why I think that, you know, this verse was even more impactful for me And then, you know, talking about how society is for those with the loudest voice and still I speak in silence, like, you know, especially with the way that he's even promoted this album, you can tell that Namjoon is the type of person who likes to be low key. Um, You know, the way he does things is almost in a much quieter nature compared to the way that other people have promoted their solo projects. Like for example, J-Hope and Jin. Um, And you can tell he's more about like the more quieter, more intimate side of things. And one is not better than the other, but this is just how Namjoon is. And so you can really see how like I Still Speak in Silence is reflected in pretty much everything he does.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think the society he's referring to is just like the music industry that he exists in because the next lines go on to say this is an aside a sailboat that came to full maturity to reach and face all the misunderstanding and prejudice. So all the things he's faced, you know with Korean media and, you know, Western media and all of those things he's faced, you know, despite, you know, those societies being very loud and, you know, vibrant, um, he really hasn't, you know, done too much to speak about his experiences with that, even when it causes him pain. Um, And so he's kind of saying... That you know, despite you know how loud uh, that part of my world is, um that society is, I I'm still gonna continue doing me.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that that's one thing I just love about him being so unapologetically himself. And you know that just goes back to what we were saying about him completely embracing the label of untitled. And so, you know, going back to the lyrics, he says, uh, I don't enjoy you praising me and throwing me up in the air. My two feet stand on this ground with flowers that don't even have names. I can't go up to the stars again. I can't underfoot. I just go to the purposeless dis- destination, not even knowing my own sadness, making my friends, making friends to my shadow. Even I be gone. And, you know, this really goes back to what I was saying um, as to how they're kind of just not about the massive pedestal that they've put, you know, that they've been put on. Um, You know, it's one thing to have fame, you know, because you're getting recognition. But then, again, when that fame starts becoming too much and people start becoming uh people start expecting too much of you then it just gets to the point where like you're just tired of it and you want to stick your feet firmly on the ground and that's also something that has been brought up before in other BTS songs i believe it was in Dechita where um jungkook had said something similar And I am speeding through clicking on Dose at Bindtown's lyric so I can go down to the exact line so I can read it out loud. I found it. Aha! Um, (laughs) So he said, um, what would come next? I suddenly realized where I am. The current situation where I have nothing above me, I who has only been looking up now would like to just look down and put my feet on the ground. And so you can see that now that they've had this massive pedestal, they've pretty much seen everything. You know, they've gone as high as you can possibly get. And somehow they still manage to go even higher every single year. And, you know, at this point, there's pretty much almost nothing else left for them to do. They've pretty much completed all of the things on their bucket list. I mean, the only thing that's left for them to do is get a Grammy, which, God willing, they'll finally get one this year so they can finally not have to worry about it anymore and we can finally stop pretending to care about the Grammys just so that they can give BTS their award and go. But, you know, when you have all of this that you've accomplished in such a short amount of time, All you want to do is set your foot back on the ground and go back to, I mean, in the context of a wildflower, go back to your literal roots because, you Mm -hmm. know, I think that's, you know, the biggest reason, especially why Namjoon has decided to take this more unorthodox route of promoting and performing his music. You know, for example, somebody like Hobie, I mean, he's more interested in challenging himself, um, and that's why he's been doing stuff like hosting listening parties of his own album. That's why he's gone to perform at Lollapalooza. That's why he's gone to perform at New Year's Rocking Eve by himself. But June, he's performing in a lot more intimate settings. So he's performing at, you know, his favorite art exhibitions and he's performing in a venue where only 200 people are able to get in. So he's going back to this feeling of what it was like back when they were a smaller group and they had this more intimate Uh, you know, they were able to do these more intimate settings where they would would perform their music. Because, you know, with the reach that they have now, I mean, pretty much all they do is stadium concerts. I mean, they get into a venue, and it's a venue for like 40,000, 50,000, sometimes even 60,000 people, and it's all sold out. So I can only imagine how nice it must have been for him to be able to just not do that for once and to just perform In a crowd full of 200 people and be able to look at every single person individually and make eye contact with them and be close to them and i think that that's really kind of what he's been meaning to do with like the whole rollout of this whole album and you know again the way like his feelings about that are once again present within his music
1: exactly and then we get into the course again shout out to eugene and by the way i don't know why i was thinking that like she wasn't at rolling hall because i literally retweeted pictures of her in june so like i'm just having a tired moment everybody i'm sorry um but yeah that course absolutely stunning Um, and then the next part, uh, Namjoon says, as I pause, suddenly I find myself gloriously barefoot and, um, Nam, um, Dulcet, uh, says that this is a reference to, um, an old poem titled Youth that, um, Namjoon had shared, also part of the HYYH, um, onstage epilogue program book. Uh, and that poem says, I didn't know green was green and spring was spring. Time doesn't know fear, and so do I in this place. Though I wander day and night in search of a happiness, you have been beneath my feet all this time. As I lower my head, I'm gloriously barefoot. Ah, uh, Isn't this more beautiful than any pair of flower shoes? And I feel like that first of all, also really connects with, you know, him saying earlier, I'm on my grave. Um, he finds himself barefoot with happiness beneath him, and it is simultaneously, you know, his grave where he will end up. And so I just think, you know, just being content with where you are and where you will end up is, it's very powerful. Um, and something that I find very fascinating about the next line, where he says, Nothing was mine to begin with anyway. And don't tell me, like, you gotta be someone because I can never be like them. This phrase, nothing was mine to begin with anyway, uh, I think that also refers to, like, this cycle of, like, you were born from the earth and you will return to the earth. So, like, if this existence is temporary, and nothing ever belonged to you in the first place, so you don't need to stress about, you know, losing it or having it. But I think it goes even deeper. It connects to the reference in Yoon where he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Um, and we talked about how that line is basically saying, you know, just you know, be good by just giving what belongs to someone to that person. So, um, and of course, in the biblical context, it was saying that you can have, you can both, um, you know, pay your duties to God and also pay your taxes. (laughs) Like just do the things that um, give to people what belongs to them But here he's saying, nothing was mine to begin with anyway. So he is saying, connecting that with that line. um, He's saying that everything belongs to the earth, essentially.
0: Yes, I think I just really like that um, connection with like being a wildflower, being on the ground and just standing on your grave. That's such a like, I've never even thought about like the ground in that particular way like to it like associated with like i'm standing on my grave like that's such a crazy thing like i feel like because of the fact that english is not his native language that is what has allowed him to be so creative with just the way that he constructs his lyrics
1: mhm like i the, namjoon he's just so good he's he's such a writer he's such a poet and i absolutely I just love it, and then also just, um, you know the way um, Eugene comes in for the final chorus, like that quietness. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, Nam June says, "Like a flaming flower of fire to the flower of the field, from boyhood to eternity, I shall remain in this desolate field. Ah, uh, someday I shall return. Once again, you know." Returning to the earth where you're born.
0: Exactly. And you know, to go on to the rest of the lyrics, um, where he says, you know, nothing was mine to begin with anyway. And don't tell me like you gotta be someone because I can never be like them. You know, for him to say this like nothing was mine mine to begin with anyway, it's almost kind of like the way I feel like he's saying this is almost kind of like in the way where people are like where people say like you're born with nothing and you die with nothing oh yeah this world like you have no possessions and then when you die you take none of your possessions with you and so it feels like even in that way that's the way he's portraying it especially because like when he was releasing this album he said that once these songs are released like they're your songs, like, yes, I made them, but they are yours to interpret however you wish. And it's almost like, you know, this music is just for us. Like he's taking no ownership of that in a way where it's like, he's totally fine with it. Like he just like is like, yes, this is what I've created, but this is for you, and that is, like, I feel like it makes that dedication you know, in the beginning of the song and also written on the album itself, like, a lot more meaningful Mm Mm-hmm
1: Um, and then, you know with that, he just ends the song you know, repeating uh, what was said uh, in the very beginning Overall uh, 11 out of 10 uh, Wildflower it's just
0: too good yes i just feel like yeah the last chorus and like the last verse just really got me like especially like the boyhood to eternity part just knowing like that especially in the context of like young forever and songs like that where they talk about you know being young in spirit for the rest of their life and how they don't want this to end and like also like the promise of someday I shall return you know it's you know because even though the song started off quite bleak where he was talking about how this fame was shackles and he wished that somebody would take his greed away from him to keep him from hurting himself He still hopes that one day he'll be able to return back to this, which is, you know, very reminiscent of the lyrics of Yet to Come, which are also a promise that they are going to be back and that their best days are not behind them, but in front of them. And that's why I think that this song is just so meaningful. And, you know, when you watch the music video, it makes it even more emotional. And so that is why, honestly, like this song, top tier, like you will never... You will never get a song like this from anybody else.
1: Exactly. And then with that, let's get into number two, uh, featuring Park Ji-yoon, a very iconic um, artist to collaborate with. Uh, uh, If people um, don't know who she is, uh, you probably know her most famously for adult ceremony uh especially as an army because a uh, jungkook and jimin did do a dance cover of that song um but yeah she adds a lovely vocal tone to this song and number two is you know namjoon is saying that this is representing you know the second chapter of his life and it makes sense that this is the final track of the album this is much quieter than um wildflower um and i think that makes sense because uh you know with the imagery of fireworks um wildflower was like the firework of the album and so now this is kind of like the calm after the storm and it's just a pure period of reflection and it is I feel like this song is true acceptance. I feel like we have, this is the final stage of grief. We have reached it.
0: Honestly, like, I feel like this entire album was a ride from start to finish. And, um, you know, just being able to get to this last song. Like you said, like, it's a calm after the storm um, especially when you take into account that there was literally a hurricane in the Wildflower music video. So mm-hmm. it, in its most literal sense, it is the calm after the storm. And um, this song is just really, really great. Um, so the premise behind this song is the fact that, um, you know, it's about understanding that, you know, your past you, you did the best that you could and now, you know, it's just better to look forward and not to look back on any regrets or mistakes that you might have had at that time. And, you know, in the notes that uh Set has on this website, uh, they say that the track, the title of the track number two represents the transition to RM's second chapter inspired by Jackson Pollock's number one. Um, and Jackson Pollock, I believe, is, they're an artist, aren't they? Hmm? I'm Jackson Pollock?
1: Sorry. I'm sorry. I believe so. Yes. I don't know why. Like, I just completely blanked out when you asked me that question. It kind of felt like I was like put on the spot so suddenly. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, it's late over here. It's almost, um, midnight. So sorry. But yeah, no, he is an artist. Yes. Um, and I believe he's from, um, like, I think it was, he was, he's like an abstract um, artist. So he did like expressionism and stuff like that. Mm.
0: Yes. And so I think that that's just another way in which his is incorporating uh, art into his music because, you know, you have, you know, song titles like Yun, um, uh, and, you know, the fact that the whole song was about him and like his I- ideology and then you have still life. And then you have now number two, which is also you know taking uh inspiration from uh the art world once again, and so you can really see just how connected that art is to Nam June, um, which I think is great. Um, oh, and so um, actually I
1: want to read this. Um, so I decided to just Google the painting real quick. Um, and on this website, um, on the JacksonPollock.org uh, website, um, it said that around, uh, this time, so 1948 is when this was created, um, Pollock stopped giving his paintings evocative titles and began instead to number them. His wife, artist Lee Krasner, explained, quote, numbers are neutral. They make people look at a painting for what it is. Pure painting. End quote and apparently collectors didn't like appreciate this radical new style Um, And so the painting actually remained unsold uh, when it first came out Um, and it was purchased um, shortly after by uh, in in the next um, Solo exhibition that took place, but at first when this painting came out people Uh, did not um,
0: take to it. Yeah, and so it's just interesting to see how that plays back into the context of this song. So without further ado, let's just get into these lyrics. Um, I believe it starts off, um, this song starts off with uh, Parthion singing, uh, Dear, don't look back anymore. After all those waves have gone by, Even if those countless what-ifs torment you, you'll now be protecting yourself. Um, And also, they continue to say, Dear, don't look back anymore. Left behind these memories mixed up so vividly will be these remaining lives like extras. All you did was just do your best. And I think, yeah, this really just embodies the whole concept of the song, where it's all about how if you're up at night thinking about all the things that you could have done better, all the things that you should have said better, Mm -hmm. and just overall regrets in general. It's just, don't even worry about that. Like, don't even look back on those moments anymore because what's happened has happened, it's all past. And now you should focus on, you know, what's left for you in the future because back then you just did the best that you could do and that's okay
1: exactly it's it goes on to say don't look back anymore whatever path you take there always be regrets uh yeah you're not all that special i don't cry at such words anymore um so yeah like it doesn't matter like trying to think oh what if i did this or this instead like it doesn't matter because you didn't do that like it's it's happened it's in the past um you could keep thinking about what if I had done this and this instead, but instead think about what can I do now and what am I going to do? Like, there's really no point in wallowing in regrets and what ifs because, uh, I mean, yeah, you didn't, you could have done something and you didn't. And so you gotta just deal with what you have now and be content with what you will have now or else... You never will be ever if you're just constantly looking back.
0: Exactly. And, you know, the fact that it says, yeah, you're not all that special. I don't cry at such words anymore. I think that that's really nice. It's like it shows growth. Like, yeah, you know, you used to be hurt by such things, but now it doesn't affect me anymore. And it shows that, you know, they've grown up, they've matured their past being hurt by such things and are also now aware that those people aren't really people that are worth the time of day. They're not people worth listening to. And you've also seen them adopt this attitude in other things such as uh, the Cypher series, particularly Cypher part four, because that whole Cypher was just all about them saying, look, At the end of the day, I love myself. There's nothing you can do about it. And we're done talking to you the same way that they said it for mic drop there. It's like, you know, there's nothing left to say to you. I, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I do. And if you don't like it, then that's your problem. And so, you know, this is much more of a softer way of saying it. But the fact that they say, I don't cry at those words anymore. It's like a personal achievement. And, you know, it's further... um, accentuated from the next lines where Namjun says, I smiled that I ain't gotta prove myself, that I ain't the one, that I ain't the ish, just a little kid who craved approval, now my mind fits into senior community centers better. And so he's like basically saying that he's glad that he's passed the point where he feels like he needs to prove himself to other people. Especially because in the beginning of their career, in the face of so much backlash from both the underground hip hop community and then the K-pop community, um, you know, he felt like he was stuck between two worlds and that he constantly had to show people that he was better than they thought that he was. And that caused a lot of stress within uh, their early years. I mean, it flung them into a whole identity crisis as to what they actually were. Like, were they an artist? Were they an idol? They didn't know. And that really messed with Namjoon's head a lot. Him specifically the most. I remember it affecting him the most out of all of them. And it's something that he's also explored in his very first mixtape RM in the song Awakening. And you can clearly see that it has been a point of... uh. You know, It's definitely been a point of discussion um, across their discography all the way up until, I would say, 2019 with uh, Dionysus because in Yoongi's verse, he talks about how it doesn't matter whether they're an artist or an idol. Actually, no, I'll say 2020 because he also discussed this in What Do You Think in his Mixtape D2 where they basically talk about, I don't really care what I am um, and I don't have to prove myself to you guys anymore. You guys are just going to see me however you want anyway. And like, this is why, like, now he's so glad that he doesn't have to prove himself, especially now with their platform. Because, you know, back in the early days of their year, like in the early days of their career, you know, they didn't have the big fan base that they have now. They didn't have the impact that they have now. And so they could say that they were this or that, or they could say that they were going to do this or that, but they still have to provide those results. But now, these days, 2022, well, now 2023. You know, they're at such a high platform that they don't have to prove themselves to other people because they're already at the top.
1: Exactly. Um, and so with, um, I think it's also interesting that Dulcet points out that in the line, now my mind fits into senior community centers better. Uh, so they say that Injong means approval. Um, and just before this, he said, just a little kid who craved approval. While, um, Nguanjong means a senior community center. So it's like a play on words. Um, so like he's saying that like his mind now fits into a space of approval. And he goes on to then say, my balloon that bursts for being full of me. Which once again refers to the line in Wildflower where he says, "I was struggling to hold on to a balloon that is drifting away." See, you gotta to listen to these albums in order, man. <laughs> like it, it just like it tells such a narrative that he clearly puts, you know, he clearly puts so much thought into telling this narrative, and that's why you know you have to listen to albums in order that that is what we'll say for like any album review we ever do um and this isn't even like just like a bts album you should listen to any album in order when it first drops after you've listened to it in order then you can like put it on shuffle or whatever but first listen it's got to be in order guys um and so he says the balloon bursts and then What I learned after it burst is that it was completely empty on the inside. Um, and so we know, um, you know, he was struggling to hold on to something that he didn't really end up needing, that ended up not being that important anyway. It was kind of a futile effort because it just ended up bringing him nothing. Um... He continues on to say, I asked and asked, could I just go with the flow? Could I belong to a place where I didn't want to? Um, and I think what we get from this is that, yes, he can just go with the flow.
0: Yeah, I think that's the one thing he's definitely learned throughout his time in being a part of BTS and being part of um you know, uh, the group and just being a solo act in general. And I think that now that they've gone to a place where their platform is high and also stable, they feel comfortable enough to be themselves and not be afraid of, you know, how people would react or if they're going to lose everybody who, you know, has been with them on this journey. They're afraid of, you know, especially back then, they're afraid of losing everything that they would built up, especially back in 2018 when that pressure was at its highest. But now they don't have to worry about that. And so now they can just focus on being... they want to be instead of worrying about having to prove themselves to other people and you know uh, continuing on that note he says oh the melody that felt like it lasts forever yeah me my felony after all this time there's only one thing i've learned i'll be forever me and you know that just goes to show you that like no matter what he does, no matter what place he goes to, no matter what type of music he makes, it will still all be him. Which also goes back to his solo song uh, "Persona," where he talks about how all of these different facets of himself are still him. You know, right. regardless of whatever he does or however he feels, they're all different parts of him, and he shouldn't. Um, he shouldn't try and negate or dismiss certain parts because they don't fit into people's particular image of him. It's important that you embrace all sides of yourself and acknowledge the fact that you will just always be different in different situations. But that doesn't mean that you're not the same person.
1: Exactly. Um, And then I also like the reference to, um, you know, in Wildflower, where he mentions, you know, having this criminal mind. Um, and then he's saying, Yeah, my felony, my criminal mind, what about it? <laughs> um, and so I really like that. And he, um, that just says, All those accidents that you believed were destined to happen, all those nights I felt like an eternity, all you did was just to do your best. And I think that is like the thesis statement of the album.
0: Yes, literally. You know, all the all this all all the themes that are in this album really just kind of amalgamate to you've done your best, you tried your hardest, you shone so bright, and now you can go and continue on without having any regrets. And I just really like this message. And, you know, as it continues on into the next chorus, um, you know, it just continues to say um you know no looking back no looking back don't look back no more all you did was just do your best and you know i think that that message in itself must be so comforting not just to other people but also himself yeah Um, i mean the the last
1: the the last line of this whole album is now you'll be protecting yourself and then that's the end
0: yeah and i think that that is just a it's just so crazy good to end it that way because it also means that you know because this is also an archive of his 20s. And now that he's moving on to be 30 it means now that this new chapter of his life, he's going to be working harder to put himself first and protect his own peace, which I love for him, because especially as a member of a group as big as BTS, they've always have to constantly put other people before them. And, you know, always having to temper the reactions to certain things. And now he's just looking to just go and protect himself um, by not worrying about, oh, what if I could have done this better or what if I made this mistake? Now he doesn't have to think about that and he's not worried about proving himself anymore. And I think that's also why they've been releasing uh, their solo projects the way that they have been without really focusing too much about like chart performance in America. like Obviously it still does matter to them as musicians and we're still gonna try for that. But like when they were talking about exploring, you know, their solo projects back in the 2022 FESTA video, you know, the talk of, you know, how we're going to do on Billboard and stuff like that was very much absent from that conversation. And so when you have that in mind and you think about, you know, all of these different ways in which they're not worried about needing to prove themselves anymore, I feel like this is just like potentially just one of those things where they're just still dropping it without needing to feel the pressure of whether or not it does well, but that he just hopes that people are able to relate to the message. And that's kind of similar to something that he did say about how he hoped that we'd enjoy the album uh I don't remember if he posted it on Insta or Weavers. It might have been Weavers actually, where he was basically saying that he, you know, isn't too worried about like, you know, specific things in terms of charts. I mean, yeah, sure they're important, but he did I remember say something like that he hopes that we'll find at least one song that is to our liking and that's kind of like the biggest emphasis that he had on the album that it was just for our enjoyment. And yeah, I'm still going to be streaming the hell out of it. I have been streaming the hell out of it for the past month. Don't even ask me how many times I've <laughs> listened to this album. It is a lot. But like I just like the fact that he can drop a you know, a, you know an album like this and not have to worry about what if you know, what if it's not to people's expectations? He's just protecting himself from worrying about all that. And I think that, yeah, like, this is just something that everybody can relate to. And I remember in um, the Shichita episode, how he said that he had played this for some big hit staff and like some of them had even like cried because it was just that comforting to them.
1: Exactly. And you know, just the, the way this outro goes, it's it's very quiet and very soft. It, it it is it just has something that is just inherently comforting in the way it sounds. Um, you know, regardless of the lyrics, and I think that's another thing that just makes this album so amazing is that the you know the lyrics and the instrumentals they pair together so beautifully and just really help paint the narrative of you know they they have painted the archive of his 20s
0: yeah and you know the way that it actually ends um especially just like the melody in itself like it's such like a, a such a soft way to end the whole album it's like very much like it fits the vibe of a concluding song even though, like, Wildflower was, like, um also really good at, like, concluding, but, like, I feel like number two, putting it after that, it's, like, really now, like, okay, I'm now exiting my 20s. This is the mentality that I'm going to have stepping into my 30s. Right. And now, like, I'm not going to look back on anything else anymore. I'm just going to go forward, and this is just how I'm going to live my life.
1: Exactly. And so with that, we made it to the end of Indigo. Wow, would you look at that? We thought it would never end. Um, Well, not we thought. It was you thought, you listening, because we talk forever. Uh, So thanks for listening uh, to all of that so much. Um, There's a lot of things that you can learn um, about Indigo, Um, there are plenty of content that you can catch up on. Um, there is, he has a whole, um, Indigo album magazine film on Bogtan TV. It's like 41 minutes. Um, but if you have some time in your day and want to sit down and watch that, it is great. I just, I always recommend, um, if you have the time to just watch those videos, because you know you're never going to get a better sense of what the message BTS is trying to portray than from BTS themselves. Um there's of course the um Live in Seoul at Rolling Hall performance where Namjoon performs his album. Um and Bagdad TV uploaded that, so it's an hour long. Um, so if you've listened to the album on Spotify, you streamed it, and now you want to watch it live, there you go. Um, June promoted on NPR's Tiny Desk, and so, um, you can go watch that, which was also really great. Um, you could tell he was kind of a bit shy, because he was without BTS. Um, so if you <laughs> go to, but, um, it's really cute how BTS kind of, like, get a little bit of nervousness when, like, they don't have each other. You can kind of tell. and it, I don't know. It's so cute. It um, so you could look that up on NPR's music channel. Um, Namjoon did uh, a breakdown of Indigo on the Zach Sang show. And Zach is, you know, a beloved interviewer. Um, he's been interviewing BTS since, you know, they've stepped foot in the U.S. And from the beginning, he's always... Uh, really cared about, you know, the message, Um, and I'll never forget how happy Namjoon looked when Zack sincerely told him that, like, how much he loved the concept of the Love Yourself series, and just how amazing, like, it was, and Zack told Namjoon, you know, I read the lyrics, and it, 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 and you could see it just meant so much to him, and Zack is like that with every artist he interviews, so... You could honestly, you know, probably look up lots of different music artists if you really want to get a good music interview, uh, because it's kind of hard to get that for like most artists these days. Um, of course, there's Suchwita um, episode one uh, that was with Yungi, um, and that's also on Baka TV. Looks like the show is about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of great things they talked about. And that, that, like, we didn't even talk about, such as the risk of having a title track be, like, so long. Uh, be, like, twice the length of the typical two minutes we're getting in this streaming era. Uh, so it's always great to, you know, hear Yungi and Namjoon sit down and talk. Um, and then, of course, Namjoon went live on Weverse. Uh, that is already up with English subs. So you could go check that out. That's about an hour and 10 minutes. And usually those are always pretty long. So not surprised. Uh, he did a short behind on Weverse as well. That's about 25 minutes. And then he also has an interview, uh, on Tong Tong Culture's channel. That's about 10 minutes. So yeah, those are some, uh, videos you could kind of use as a springboard of all like they're really good uh, indigo content.
0: Yeah. And if you want to look for a laugh, he actually um, was on the P6 show um, a couple of weeks ago and that was absolutely hilarious. Like when I tell you I have not laughed that hard in a while, I think that just the chemistry that um, Namjoon had with the members of the P6 show, um, like the chemistry he had with them was just really, really good. Um, so also, if you want to watch that, he does talk a little bit about, you know, his album on there too. Um, so that was like, I believe like maybe like 30 something minutes long. Um, it was, but it was a really good episode and I definitely recommend it. Um, because, um, you can tell that he was in his element when he showed up there. Um and so that's definitely something to watch. And then in terms of like articles and interviews and stuff, there's also been some articles by NME. Uh there's a Vogue interview that he did, also a variety interview that he did, um, and a weaver's article that was written. Um and Also, you know, you could also check out, you know, some social media posts that he's done. Like most of his like Indigo related social media posts are pinned on his Instagram page. He pinned those himself. So if you wanted to check those out, you could do so. And of course, if you want to look at some lyric translations, uh, Dual Set Bangtan is there. Also, Bangtan Subs is also great with their translations on their website. Um, you know, both of them have very good translations and annotations about the context behind each song. So I highly, highly, highly recommend that you do check them out because as we say, lyrics are important. He didn't just write them for nothing. You can clearly tell that you spent a lot of time on it because we've just spent the past six hours telling you about how great they are. So if that doesn't tell you that you need to read the <laughs> lyrics, I don't know what will
1: yeah I'm pretty sure everyone is either you know sick of us or they really love us um
0: and I'm sick of us
1: I yeah I'm sick of us uh, but yeah I think um that's all uh once again lyric translations courtesy of Dulcet bangtan uh bangtan subs also has lyric translations um and so thank you to them uh for always, you know, providing content over the years, like, I, I would not be an army without Bogtan subs, especially, because you don't understand, Bogtan subs, listen, back in, like, since the beginning, they would, like, take the Bogtan bombs that were never subtitled, and, like, subtitle them, and then, like, upload them, like, they, they are the reason that, um, so many people are, armies today and so really just shout out to them and uh with that uh that comes to the conclusion of this and it is of course over three hours and so just thank you everybody for sticking with us this long if you're even still listening um feel free to contact us on twitter or in our discord um if you're not in our discord you could Just, you know, DM us and we can add you. No problem. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening.
0: All right. We will see you guys in the next episode.
1: Bye for now.